Hello and welcome to episode 16 of The One One, your West Australian racing podcast. I am BJ Ryan, teaming up with the Perth racing guru, Terry Layton, as always. But on this occasion, we also have special guest, bookmaker Pete McCormick with us today. Welcome to The One One, Pete. Thanks, BJ. G'day, Terry. How are you? Good, thanks, Peter. Good to have you here. How's, uh, how's your week been? Good so far, yeah. I was at the races yesterday. Not many people there as I no. tweeted during the day. but. <laughs> um, that. We pinched a bit there and uh, had a win last Saturday as well, so all's good at the minute. Have something that looks gold yesterday, did you? Did you not see loose that? gold, that's <laughs> not one of mine. I don't really tap into the Albany form oh, much, uh, maybe me. Wolfie's a bit, but um, loose gold certainly. I thought he was a has-been, but obviously I was wrong. Yeah, I thought he was a has-been, and if he was going to win a race, it would have had to been closer to a mile. Anyway, let's not uh, let's not meander on about uh, how much we lost yesterday, hey, BJ? Cool, sounds good. So we're really looking forward to uh, teaming up with Pete, picking his brains about the art of bookmaking, punting and racing in general, of course. We might just start with our racing recap as we like to do. We were, it was Supremacy Stakes Day at Ascot last Saturday. And how can we not lead with our man, friend of the podcast? Magic Mike. Magic Mike Santich. I reckon that run of um, Starfield Impact makes it a clear second pick for the Karakata for me. That might be a bit of a bit of a stretch with Watch Me Dance going okay and uh, the winner of uh, Salaya. How are we pronouncing that? Salaya. Yeah, the uh, Darren McAuliffe, William Pike. We think I think William Pike's actually booked to ride that as well potentially. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, on the run of Starfield Impact and the, the, I think. We probably didn't, uh, you tipped You tipped her, I think. Um, probably didn't give her enough respect. Uh, I probably didn't give her enough respect for how good. Did you give the horse enough respect? Probably didn't, I probably Mike. didn't give Magic Mike enough respect, yeah. in all fairness. Uh, how good it's, uh, how good a two-year-old campaign was. So, um, yeah, impressive, Pete. It was impressive. Um, I'm assuming Gemma's son is the, the one you've got in front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's pretty much engraved on the trophy already, yeah. the way it's going. So, um you could debate what's coming second, if you like, but I think Daylight's pretty much second at the moment. Yeah, you, you could be right. You could well be right. A two-year-old having to come back for a second campaign, maybe if, especially if a Luke or a Luke Fernie goes in with our Danny with the basically find the rail, getting in front of Gemma's son. Tactically, things can be a bit funny, so. I wouldn't have our Danny in the same postcode as Gemma's son. No, nah, no, nah, fair enough. You're probably, uh, you're probably right. I'm probably still a bit uh, dirty on that, BJ. So, so congrats to Mike Santich and uh, the connections with Starfield Impact. There was a couple of nice runs behind the winner, mm-hmm. a couple of unlucky runners. But just quickly, we need to discuss the, or not discuss in depth, but just flag the Our Danny situation, Terry. I missed that. What was that all about, BJ? Sorry. <laughs> so on the post, post-race post jockey interviews. I, uh, did, which I is didn't a, really miss it, obviously. Which is a great service, um, uh, race day service provided mm-hmm. by the races WA on Twitter. Chris Parnham said that she probably, well, that she certainly shouldn't have started. She got kicked in the knee um, and that... Uh, from what I understand, she passed the necessary vets examinations, but um, perhaps the um, the injury impacted her, I guess, ability to perform at her best. Have you yeah. any insight into? Well, what I spoke to Luke it? yesterday. Uh, he basically said that um, she nicked her leg uh, in the mounting enclosure. Uh, he looked over with the vet, um, and it was nothing too extensive at that stage. The vet decided uh, she was okay to go around. He was okay. He said he. 
wasn't feeling great about it, but uh, he, he followed the vet's advice basically in that situation. So we dare think that um, when she galloped to the gates and then possibly in the run, that probably opened the cut up more and probably made her feel it a little bit more. So um, definitely um, definitely a good reason to be to feel aggrieved as a punter. I don't really need a good reason, to be honest, but uh, it's, uh, it was a, yeah, a good enough reason, but uh, might be a good enough reason to maybe forgive our Danny as well uh, in an upcoming run potentially. If, uh, if she's going to continue her prep, I'm not too sure, actually. Okay. Have you got a view on what happened? With the, the only view I have, I was totally unaware of the whole thing until I saw that interview. Um, Chris Parnham wasn't happy the horse went around, and he was a jockey of the horse. I think maybe the jockey should have some input as to whether the, his mount goes around or not, and he seemed to be pretty despondent that the horse ran in the race. Mm. Um, maybe uh, a jockey should have a bit more input into what happens as well. That's that's the question. Where does the duty of care lie? Or does it sort of lie with all parties to well, some degree? Jockeys are, the vet jockeys the end are of the able to ask, to request that the, um, the vets... Uh, go over the horse mm -hmm. behind the gates. But so. the responsibility is purely with the vet at the end yeah. of the day, yeah. I think. Which is interesting because when a horse plays up in the gates, they don't really need a lot to go wrong for the vet to put a line through them. So Less in the east in WA, it seems yeah. to me. They, if they look the wrong way in the east, they just don't seem to hesitate to take yeah. them out. They mm -hmm. seem to be more reticent to withdraw them in WA. That's just anecdotal, but that's how it seems to me. Yep. Yeah, it's a very interesting discussion and yeah how do, how do you know how much it impacts a horse in that moment i suppose if there's any doubt does it need to come out you know that's the discussion that will be had did you put some thought into that one did you <laughs> just came there's any doubt it needs to come out <laughs> but moving on yes we, moving on just a little tantrum just a little one okay yeah just and that, that's, a, def, that's definitely a wallet uh, heavy tantrum that one as well so have we got most of the material um we have no planned tantrums but i dare say there'll probably be about another seven that are unplanned okay so we did witness the return of two rather outstanding three-year-olds labor rod and red can man they both were really impressive with their First up wins last Saturday. The money for them was really strong, Pete. What 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 was what did it feel like in the ring? Yeah, both are well supported. They yeah. they were pre post favourites anyway, so that wasn't unexpected. I was particularly taken by Laver Rod. The mm. the explosion that it showed in the last couple of hundred metres, um, Richie Bell didn't miss it, but um it was it was exactly right. You know, it exploded to the front and, and won very, very well. I think they they've got a good target there in the East, uh, that, mm -hmm. that Super Vobus race uh, looks right up its alley. Yeah, five hundred thousand dollar Vobus Guineas over the mile, which is which, that it's where's it going in between that? Is it not in sure. Or? This was just a post race sort of um, comment from okay. the trainer, Sean Casey, that if if he if they feel like he can get to a mile, then that five hundred thousand dollar race at Caulfield on April eighteen is worth having a crack at. He just looks like he's really coming into his own now as a March autumn three-year-old and it does appear like the sky's sort of the limit for that horse he's just a big strapping horse he's got a lot of weapons it's going to be interesting to see what he develops into in 12 months time mm -hmm. and finally we finished with a real feel-good story in the last the get out states noel rudland barry newnham and comeback galloper clink king was that your maddie for the day Salute. wasn't quite maddie we both territory. sort of we were yeah we and were around it when we went to record i think he was like 16 17 18 dollars mm. because he might have knocked off the early price I told you Terry, did, yeah. so um but just going through my records online noel rudland's first ascot winner since november 10 2010 so that's a fair effort 
Yeah, it was. It was a, uh, a race that uh, everything went according to plan for those basically in the three-wide line, didn't it? So I know that a friend of the podcast, Cripper, wasn't too pleased with uh, how Lipstick Flickers went or basically how the race uh, ended up being run for horses like Lipstick Flickers and Pete's lay of the day, special choice. You probably didn't have it leading, did you, Pete? I didn't have it leading, but... Um, Halfway through, you would have felt pretty confident about your lay, I'd suggest, though. I was pretty happy the way that things were unfolding <laughs> at the time. Uh, yeah, obviously, I think Chris was trying to slot it into the sit behind the leader. Yeah. The horse got fierce and fired up, and it was pretty much game over. Yeah. And luckily, it dragged lipstick back with it when it mm, went. So, exactly happy right. days. Exactly right. So that, of course, is uh, Pete McCormick's Betfair bookies lays. Um, so if you want to get some juicy odds on the horses that Pete thinks might not um get the job done follow pete on twitter he um and also terry uh, throws out a few lays as well as Cripper midweek as well yeah. going out midweek he uh, laid uh well, one come right back but it's good to see that a lot of people say oh why are you laying that it's not going to lose but sometimes and i can't speak for pete but a, a lot of the time we lay these horses thinking well yeah of course it can win but it's well under the price it should be so i mean we we both laid one a few weeks ago maybe a couple of months ago now uh was it morning song Yes. And we, we both tried to lay it at about six bucks. I think we did. And it's jumped and it won the race, but it's jumped at about $10 Betfair. I still see that as a good lay if I'm laying it under the price. Um, a lot of the time I, I buy back. I'm not sure about Pete. So we don't actually hold all that much liability. Um, but yeah, it's, it's often. Um, and that's what Cripper was doing yesterday. We come right back. He laid it at $1.70. I'm pretty sure it traded close to $1.80 for a fair portion there. So um, I still see that as a, a good lay despite mm, it winning. Might be something to dig in deeper with Pete as yes. the preview progresses. 100%. Very interesting stuff that. So we had the Bunbury Cup last Sunday. It was won by Paul Harvey and Ross Price with Arctic Stream. Came with a wet sail down the outside. Again, that, that race, uh, only the Arctic nine runners. Arctic Stream with a wet sail? <laughs> yes. <Was> <laughs> That race was cruel by scratchings, wasn't uh, it? And it just it just really sucked the wind out of the whole day, didn't it? It was um, scratchings across the board, actually, um, were quite costly, I thought. Uh, I'd, I'd had the big early price, the big show, and I was just declaring it from the uh, from the rafters. So I was I woke up, and first thing I do usually when I get up is check the scratchings and uh, see how my early prices are faring that I've taken the day before or a couple of days before. And, um, yeah, to see it scratched, I basically just stayed in bed for the day. That was, that was my uh, <laughs> me deflated for my Bunbury Cup day, unfortunately. So there's a bit happening down Bunbury Way. There's a major track uh, renovation, redevelopment underway from May this year. The club will be out of action for the next 18 months subsequent to that. Um, it's going to be obviously the um, industry body has targeted Bunbury as a real um, growth centre for thoroughbred horse racing in West Australia. They're investing a lot of money down there. The Next incarnation of the Bunbury Cup, Bunbury Stakes Carnival will be interesting. I think it's quite um, a hot topic uh, within the committee and within the powers that be at the moment. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be important to see what they come up with. It, this discussion might require some some further information and a deeper dive on on future podcasts because uh, I think that yeah, I think Bunbury is, is really well positioned to make something of their their carnival, but it just isn't quite um, hitting the mark at the moment. Were you were you down there on Sunday, Pete? I've probably been to the previous 10 Bunbury Cups. Yep. Um, the last three or four have been getting increasingly frustrated at lack of hold, particularly on Stakes Day. Mm. Um, so I didn't even bother doing Bunbury at all this year. Bunbury's fallen off a cliff. Mm. I don't know why, but um, anything other than the carnival, there's, there's, you're really struggling to get a hold. And uh, even the carnival, it's not worth, not worth doing the preliminary meetings to, to get the stakes in the cup. Well, we had mm. seven runners in the stakes and nine in the cup. And 
it was just uh, just hard to generate that, isn't it? Well, so, not much for bookies when favourites went both of the races yeah, as well. That's so true. that's true. pretty bearish. So anyway, uh, we'll table our Bunbury Turf Club Bunbury Cup Carnival discussion for later podcasts. We must move on uh, and talk about Regal Power. Geez, he was mighty in the Australian Cup at Flemington last Saturday. Looked home. I was in the queue. What about you, Terry? <laughs> yeah, I, I was. I was in the queue. I rarely bet yeah. over East, but I had something on. I, I, I didn't really care about the monetary aspect. I, I actually felt really quite. Um, I felt just not distressed. I felt a little bit sad after the race. Yeah. I, you saw Pike's head go down on the line, and I, yeah, I, I felt really disappointed for him. Um, I think you're going to probably ask you shortly. Do you think? No, let's not say did he cost it victory, but um, if he holds on a bit longer, yeah, it, it does win, I think. Um, I think Pike, it was it was fighting him the majority of the race, and we could see that. A lot of jockeys probably would have gone earlier or let the horse stride a bit earlier or, or whatnot, and um, that would have been obviously detrimental um, to his chances. But, yeah, I think if he holds just for us, because the horse in front pulled, pulled out sort of one second after he did, if he holds just for a second or two longer, um, I, I think he probably does win the race, but... I don't think he needs us telling that because I'm, well, I'm pretty sure he's fully he aware was, of that. He was critical of his own right. I think he rode it a treat. I, he's lobbed one off from 12. He's followed the Melbourne Cup winner into the straight and he just... Could have had his back for another 50 metres. That's it. And that's the difference. That's if, winner, you be, if you want to win a group one, you've got to do it all right, I think. So that's but the, the thing. But the winner was three or four wide... No cover the entire and still exactly the, the winner deserved. I'll just I'll clarify the winner deserves to win. Um, but if Pike rides his, he probably rode it a nine out of ten. If he rides it a nine and a half out of ten, it probably wins. I don't know. That's I it. I, I know that might sound harsh, but that's probably the truth, and that's what he's basically. That's, been, what, that's he's what he's saying. basically been saying. My himself, point is, I don't so. think it would have beaten the winner anyway. What do you think, Pete? I think Pike is a hard marker on himself, mm-hmm. and I think Terry's a bit of a hard marker too. Mm-hmm. I thought he rode a near perfect race. Yeah. Um, I near, haven't analysed near, the, near, exactly. <laughs> I haven't right. analysed the race over and over, to be honest. I I'm working in the East now in the Sydney Melbourne races, and obviously, being a WA bookmaker in Perth, betting on WA horses in the East, it was very well supported. Him. And I was I was more than happy to see it get run over yeah. the last fifty yards. But um, by the same token, it would be nice to see it win a Group One. I think it deserves a Group One. Um, mm-hmm. I think there'll be Group Ones in the future for it. And you know what? The sectional data that I see that I saw rather suggests that he just peaked on his run a touch late, so. Maybe he just needed that going into the All-Star Mile on Saturday. But regardless um, of Pikey's ride and whether it cost uh, Regal Power victory in the Australian Cup, he gets a very – he doesn't have to wait long to make amends. Uh, Pike, the wizard, he'll be riding Regal Power in the $5 million All-Star Mile at Caulfield this Saturday, opting to ride him ahead of stablemate – Superstorm, the Australian Guineas second place getter, WA Bornhoot Mark Zara. He will be riding Superstorm. Um, Regal Power's drawn three. And also we have to remember that um, old WA champ Blackheart Bart, he got a wildcard entry into the race as well. Pike said that he decided on riding Regal Power via a Flip of the coin. Flip of the coin. Yeah, I think he'd already decided. If you listen to the interview with uh, Giulio Santarelli on Sunday and in Bunbury, you could sort of, I think he already had a lean which way he was, uh, which way he was heading there. Yeah. So, on the current markets, Regal Power is best available twelve dollars. Superstorms around the fourteen dollar mark in Black Blackheart Bart, forty one dollars. Pete, how do you how do you think? Obviously, Bart looks like he's up against it. But how do you think the two Peter's investments, Cerise and Whitehorses, will go? Do you think they're genuine winning chances? 
I don't do a lot of form in the East, to be honest. I'll be upfront in saying that. But these two horses have shown already in Melbourne that they are genuine Group 1 horses. Mm. Regal Power's gone within a very short margin of winning a Group 1 just a week ago. Superstorm similarly has run very well against Alligator, Alligator Blood. Um, they're both into the race up to their ears, I think. Mm. And probably those prices, um, I'm going to be a bit nervous betting those out on course because um, I think they deserve to be probably a bit, bit shorter in the market, to be honest. Yeah, I noticed that both horses, like Regal Power firmed in the Australian Cup and... Superstorm was quite well backed in the Australian Guineas as well. So, um, but yeah, that All Star Mile concept is um, is kind of fun and kind of interesting. So it's going to be there's a lot of money on the table. So it's been a big year for Bob Peters. He's had a runner in the Everest. He's had a runner in the and uh, inaugural Golden Eagle with Australian Guineas. Australian just good Cup, to see him. So Just good to see a battler. I'm um, having a bit of fun over it, isn't it? He's big time now. Mm. Big time, Bob. So. Um, big time Bob. Big time Bob. <laughs> I like that. Now, and also another Cerise and White runner, Battlestorm. Mm. He'll be making his Victorian debut for John Price. Pike in, in the last. In Yeah, William Pike, race nine, Caulfield on Saturday. Um, that's an old combination. Bob mm. Peters and John Price, uh, they were uh, owner-trainer combination uh, from way back. So interesting to see how Battlestorm goes in the East. Now, it's time that we get to know Pete McCormick a little bit more, Terry. What do yeah, you think? Yeah, I think so. Pete, can you just give us give this as a bit of a rundown on why bookmaking? How did you get involved, your history in the game, and um, and where did you start? Pretty much I got into to bookmaking because I love punting. Um, from a family of mug punters, I was a, another one in the family, and uh, I just loved going to the races. I started going to the races when I was 12 and 13 and been going ever since. Um, so the bookmaking itself, I... Um, I, I went down the bush for about eight or nine years. I was living down down in a little country town near Albany and uh, decided to get my country bookmaker's licence just to tinker around down Albany, Mount Barker. I didn't really look at it as being anything more than that than fulfilling a long-held wish to be a bookmaker and to give it a try. Um, I did that for a year or two down in Albany, Mount Barker and then spread my wings a little bit and went to, to Bunbury and Pinjarra and Kalgoorlie and enjoyed it more and more. And um, started fielding against the city bookmakers when I was down in Bunbury and Pinjarra in particular and realised that there wasn't that much of a gulf between what I was doing and, and what they were doing in some cases. I, I was quite surprised that they weren't quite as sophisticated as I thought they all bookmakers were. So um, eventually they're, they're, a spot became available in the city ring and then the city ring was less than full. And I thought, well, so, so what year was that? What year did you come to town, so to speak? Um, good question. Mm. Probably around 2004 I think yeah. 2003 2004 so what's that 15 16 17 years ago now I've been in the main ring since then so I came up gave it a try so I was driving up and back from from little town I lived in in Borden so it was four hours each way I'll come up on a Friday and go back on a Saturday night um, and then when we moved back to Perth I made it a full-time gig and have have done pretty much ever since okay so what what has been the evolution of your business, Pete McCormick Bookmaking, from the day you arrived at Ascot, say 2003, 2004, to today? The evolution has probably occurred outside of my bookmaking sure. and the way the landscape's changed in that time and it's changed immensely. Mm. Um, going back to when I was punting seriously for the first time, very few people in the Eastern States viewed West Australian racing seriously and, and bet on it. Maybe a few did, but most didn't. The big syndicate certainly didn't. Mm. And it was only with the... Um, the invention of the corporates taking hold that um, a lot more interest came from Eastern States punters and I found then that um, the, the margins or I guess that the fat that was around then seemed to disappear and became a bit harder to, to make a dollar. Um, 
In terms of money on course, it's been gradually dropping. Uh, again, due to the influx of the corporate bookmakers, people don't need to bet with you, they can bet on their phone. I don't ever see Terry Layton in the ring unless he comes by to say good day. Um, so even serious punters don't need. Pete's cut me off as well. So <laughs> <laughs> one bet, one winner, that's it. Um, so people don't need to bet with you. I think we offer a great service in the ring. I think we offer better odds. Um, yeah. And if people took the time to actually come down and have a look, yeah. um, we far out beat the uh, the OP price, the WOP price. Can I give you a suggestion maybe? Yeah. What I miss one and what I think I, I've more seen and uh, heard from the good old days is the bookie standing on his tower and screaming at the top of his lungs. That That's what I'd like to see from you. Are we a chance? Yeah, I was doing that on Wednesday, but there was oh, yeah. no one there to hear me. You're just yelling into it. I do actually do it occasionally. Um, I've been doing it in the use when the, the Eastern States race is about to go mm -hmm. just to try and create a bit of interest. Do you have a good hold on the Melbourne Cup when you do the Cup? The Cup's usually pretty good. Yeah. Um, it, I, generally, as Perth Book is what we do is we fill on the Cup, and that's the one race we did every yep. year. Um, and you'd hold reasonably well on the race. It'd be a, quite a frenetic 30, 60 minutes that yeah. you're fielding on that, and then that was it. We'd go back to normal after that. But, yeah, it was pretty handy. Yeah. Mm. So, so why do you think there's been that? I know the evolution of bookmakers, smartphones, um, I guess credit cards you can just get on. Betfair. Betfair. What... what what other things have, have sort of taken people away from the on-course experience? Is it a facilities thing as well? Do, do people actually understand how how to actually approach a bookmaker and, and have a bet? Do you know, like, is, is there like a bit of a uh, like a fear aspect to it or a lack of I don't know, understanding? On, Perhaps oh, a little bit. You know, so I think like, people actually like betting with bookmakers, yep. particularly um, people that come once or twice a year. They yep. like the experience of being with a bookmaker. Sure. I found just recently, and particularly went to Pinjara not long ago, that I had my wife working for me and with her staying out the front and all the other bookies having male clerks, mm -hmm. the women tended to gravitate to my wife and saying, I don't know what I'm doing, can you help yeah, me? So yeah. they probably feel a little bit intimidated yeah. by the male kind of thing, but they're quite happy to go up to a female and say, look, I don't know what I'm doing, can you help me out? And yeah. they really appreciated that and they kept coming back. So there probably is an element of that to it a little bit. Yeah, because it just, I don't know whether the younger generation of, of race goer, um, just knows, oh, I'm just going to go up to Pete McCormick and, you know, and that I'm going to get the best, that I'm going to get better than the WAOP. Like, how do you, how do you convey that, that message that the service that you guys provide is, is superior in a lot of ways? It is superior in a lot of ways. Yeah. I think the young blokes, and I'm talking about, I guess, the, the 18s to 30s, mm. don't really care. Okay. Um, they've got their sports bet account or whatever. They're on their phone, they're upstairs, they're having a beer. Yeah. Why do they want to traipse downstairs, go down the escalator, walk out on a 40-degree heat and traipse down near the Matheson Road exit to try and have a bet with a bookmaker mm. if they don't need to? And mm. if they're getting odds boosts and folds and all that sort of thing, I can understand why they would do that. But mm. for someone that, that is restricted by the corporates who wants to get a serious bet on and wants to get the best odds, mm. I think we're the best thing available and, and we're the best-kept secret going around, I think, in that regard. Mm -hmm. So how do you are you only allowed to bet on course? How do you, how do you take bets? I take bets on course. Yep. Um, I have for 15 years now had a love-hate relationship with the internet. We bet through an interface called Best Bookies yep. online. Um, unfortunately, Best Bookies tends to be a collecting ground of all punters who have been sacked by all the corporates. Mm. So um, Sean Bartholomew is our biggest client on Best Bookies and I just find paying an extra 2% for his business isn't worth having. So mm. where I am right now is I'm just playing the face-to-face -face punters. Okay. Can you take bets uh, the days before a meeting or is the licence only the day of? Yeah, that's probably a little bit of a grey area at the moment, okay. which I'm probably um, dipping my toe in a bit. Okay. I, I do have a couple of punters that ring up on a Friday for a bit yep. and I'm happy to negotiate a price with them mm -hmm. and, and 
I'll bet them to, to $5,000 for a Saturday meeting. So it's not like they can't get on. Mm. A lot of punters like to say, we can't get on with the book anymore. Well, it is true that probably our thresholds have been dropped, but mm. that doesn't mean that we can't beat those. And I'll bet anyone to $5,000 on a Saturday, more than five minutes before the race, so they come up in cash to have a bet with me. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Um, so I'm happy to bet on a Friday. Um, at the moment, there's been no issues with that. What the legality is of it, in, in, I'm not really sure. So Terry touched on Betfair mm-hmm. as well. How has Betfair changed your business? Betfair is a totally invaluable tool. I use it, it's what I live on when I'm at the track. I don't look, actually I've, I've filled in a little bit of a bubble. I've got my ledger in front of me and I've got Betfair open and that's what I use. I don't look at what the other bookies are doing. I bet fairly aggressively. I would say I'm probably the most aggressive bookmaker in the ring at the moment. I'll bet down to 110% quite often, but I'm, I'll never bet over Betfair. Um, that's that's a huge guide and it's also an invaluable tool for betting back so if I lay a horse at 50 to 1 to an owner I can lay it to six seven eight ten thousand dollars I'm happy to do that mm. if it's trading at 60 70 80 dollars on Betfair and usually those horses blow out to a hundred dollars plus yeah, so yeah. they're Terry um, type horses actually <laughs> it's a good trading opportunity um, providing the horse doesn't get smashed then then it's, then it's quite safe you're offering a great service to the punter and for a little risk or liability to yourself. So it works, yeah. works well. Yeah, often with those, you can't trade back instantly. So you have to you talk, there is some risk involved, obviously, because you might take the the bet at the 50 to one, and then there is always moves to those outsiders that come into 15, 20 to one, whatever it is late. Yeah. If that's the case, you probably just have to limit your liability to some degree. And I suppose that's that's why it's called bookmaking, isn't that's it? That's it, yeah, there, there certainly is a risk involved if the horse does get smashed. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes those um, owners who are on course, you yep. want to have a crack at their own horse. It's not an Australia They're a little bit one Dr. Eyed, aren't they? Yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So those horses tend to, if they don't drift in the market, they don't firm either. So so what what could you, so for someone listening who's got a sports bet account, a Ladbrokes account, whatever it is, and doesn't necessarily have a firm understanding on what Betfair is, what's what's something that you can steer them into as, as to why it's important for like the, the I, I guess the, the serious punter or the you know the want to be serious punter and and how can they learn and and increase their skills through betfair yeah uh, betfair is, is is fantastic for anyone that wants a bet particularly mm. in the last five minutes of betting um the thing about betfair is, is liquidity isn't necessarily there at this opening of betting that would be that's the one uh, difference it, obviously it's never well it's not going to change in the, the short term but that's the one aspect i think uh, us as punters um, i'm sure yourself as bookmaker would love to see a bit a bit earlier liquidity um in those markets be like they are over east but that's just that much that's just supply and demand basically isn't it absolutely and, and it is hit and miss sometimes i can lay a horse as soon as i open there's someone there who wants to take what i think's under so i'm happy to lay it straight away or conversely bet it if i, I think it's over but um, for someone with a Ladbrokes account, as you asked, um, it's the Ladbrokes will bet to about 118, 120%. Betfair will bet to 100% or 101% mm-hmm. with a small commission. So the value that you're getting is far greater on Betfair. You've got to time it. The volatility on Betfair is fairly great. So I guess the top flux on Betfair will be about 90%, Terry. Oh, think probably even higher, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Comfortably higher some races. It wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, um, there's some amazing things that happen during betting. Like mm-hmm. even yesterday, I remember one that was, they wanted to take 365 at one minute for a large amount, and the next minute that was trading at 550. Mm-hmm. So um, for serious punters or semi serious punters mm-hmm. who, who price is important, mm-hmm. Betfair is your go to position, I think. 100%. All right. And so what about? We've spoken about the, I guess, the past, the present. What's the what's the future of your business? What's the future of bookmaking um, in West Australia in general? Uh, and what are you, I guess, what are you looking forward to? 
I just love bookmaking. I love mm. going to the course and I hope you're able to do it for a long time to come. Mm. Um, I'm one You've of those still got the passion in your eyes. I can <laughs> see you just talking to him, can't you? It's I'm one uh, of those rare people who loves their job. Mm. Um, if I can call it a job, I, I, I tell my mother that I'm going home and do form and she goes, oh, you call that work, do you? So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I absolutely love going to the races and I'd love to be able to keep doing it. I see no reason why it should fall off a cliff from here. I, I kind of liken it a little bit to um, the AFL when like the, the Eagles went into the AFL and what happened to the waffle? The waffle found a new level, mm. but it did find its level. It wasn't what it used to be. And, but it's still a viable competition. And I'm thinking that's how bookmaking is going to be. We've got the corporates and everything else that's taking things away from us. On-course attendance has dropped. But I think they will find a level and mm. it will hold that level. And, and even now, our, our carnivals are still very good. You know, the, the, um, the three big meetings we have in November are very well attended. Turnover is great. It's just the other 11 and a half months of the year we've got to worry about. But I think it'll find a level and I think it'll, we'll still have a viable business going forward. Betfair is an in, invaluable tool in mm. being able to give me liquidity as well. I go to there when I need to lay a shorty or whatever. So I think the future's okay. I'm really concerned, I don't want to dwell on this, but I'm really concerned about the consumption tax, which I mentioned before we came on. I've just um, triggered that for the first time and it's a 15% tax on your gross profit from here on for me until the end of the financial year. Now, a 15% tax on my gross profit is more like a 40 or 50% tax on my net profit. And to have to pay that each month and then pay income tax on whatever's left, it's just it's spelling the death knell for full-time bookmaking in Western Australia. And that threshold, which is currently $150,000, needs to be raised. Otherwise, um, we're looking pretty pretty um, doubtful for mm. the future. So is the WA Bookmakers Association on the front foot um, challenging and lobbying that legislation at the moment? It's been mentioned to them. I like to think that they're yeah. fighting the good fight. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, we've been um, diluted so much. Our members are, uh, you could probably count on one hand just about. Right. So we're not the, the fighting force that we used to be. I remember in like the 80s, if the bookmakers went on strike, it would make the front page of the West Australian. And mm. I think now if the bookmakers went on strike, no one would notice. So yeah. um, our lobbying power as a political entity has probably been diluted to the fact that we're almost irrelevant, which is unfortunate. But yeah, hopefully though, we're, we're hoping to meet with ministers and uh, the Gaming Commission and hopefully get something moving in that direction to, to get that threshold raised. Cool. All right. Well, now it's time for 10 with Terry. Terry and Pete are going to go one-on-one on the one-one. Over to you, Terry. All right, Pete. 10 questions. Let's get this done in one minute. Okay, you ready? So that gives me, what, six seconds for question. About six seconds. A lot, of, a lot of yes no answers here. Okay. Firstly, if you weren't a bookie, do you think you'd be a full-time punter? Yes. Uh, which horse was your biggest losing lay-on? Anything stand out to you? Um, no. No. Oh, geez. Come on, punters. We've got to, we've got to be uh, taking a bit more money off him then, clearly. <laughs> Have a think about it. We'll get back to that one. Uh, which horse was your biggest winning lay or bet on? My biggest winning bet I remember well. Yes, that's, that's, that's a lot easier to remember. <laughs> it's a horse called Our Fuji Mac. I don't know if you remember that or not. It was trained by Wally Mitchell. Oh, it's definitely a Wally Mitchell horse with the Mac in it. Um, I think it was ridden by Bluey Lambie or some nondescript jockey. Okay. Wally Mitchell wasn't a high-profile trainer. It was about an eight-year-old horse and it had fairly ordinary form. Was this in the 1800s or the 1900s? <laughs> this was about 2004, I think. Okay. Um, it won a trial. I did the trials and it mm-hmm. just won a trial with its head on its chest. He's glowing at the moment, by the way. Yeah. Whenever you talk about your big wins, it's always a really, it's a lot of enjoyment talking about it. I, I thought this, this I horse is back. Stories. I got historical ratings on it, which suggested that it yep. was at the top end of the market. I forget what I rated it, but... In the ring, it was about 19s into 13s or something, mm-hmm. but I had a $1,000 each way top toad, I think it was, and in New South Wales, it paid $38.50. Oh. And, 
$8 something a player. So I won $45,000 yeah. on the bet, which was my biggest ever win by, mm. by some margin. Although I should add that um, my biggest win on gambling or biggest win on the races was actually on favourite numbers. Oh, really? oh, brilliant. <laughs> so here I am, a semi-professional punter bookmaker <laughs> who has his biggest win on the races actually taking favourite numbers. Um, had it with my cousin. We went halves. I think we halved at $120,000, which was very nice. So oh, there you go. Favourite numbers, was a good players. As well. there, there is hope. Uh, okay, question four. Uh, how do we celebrate a big day, a big winning day? How does, well, how does old Pete celebrate? And how, how would have, uh, not that he's old, but how does uh, a current Pete celebrate and how would have a younger Peter of oh, look, I don't pretend to be a big party animal like mm. yourself, Terry. I, I know you <laughs> like to, to rage on. I'd have a few beers afterwards and a quiet celebration. I don't go. Yeah, younger Pete was the same as well? If I was bookmaking, yeah, probably, mate. Probably the same. Um, I take my wins and losses fairly equally. I go home and... No, no, wife, no, wife no, says, no rooftop bars at the QT? No. no uh, rooftop no. bars? Okay. The wife will say to me, good day, bad day. I'll say, it was a good day or a bad day. That could be 10000 either way. And yeah. we move on. I don't tell her how much either way. And... She wouldn't know whether I won or lost. That's a good relationship. I one of those. Uh, I presume you've done the rounds of WA a bit. What's your favourite country track aesthetically? Pinjarra. Pinjarra. I love Pinjarra. It's a great place for a picnic. Okay. Anyone should go to Pinjarra if they want a good day out. Perfect. Uh, pineapple on your steak sandwich, yes or no? Yes. Good answer. I like that as well. Clarity, just certain, knew what he wanted. Uh, thinking now about uh, horses like your Rebos, your Street Bandits, uh, etc. Which uh, which cat? has been your biggest friend over the journey. Does any horse stand out that you've been able to lay on numerous occasions or maybe one real big occasion that's been a, a really good horse to you? Yeah, there's been a number of them. The names don't come to me right now, but I'm going to – this is very rude, I know. I'm going to give you a jockey, and that's Chris Graham at the moment. I okay. think he's won in his last 40. So my current one is, is him, and I'm just going to take on until he starts riding with us. Well, Pete's just got brownie points with me. Uh, if you had to be uh, quarantined for a week – Due to the coronavirus, and you could only have either one of BJ or myself with you, who would it be? I have to have one of you, do I? Yep. Is that a you have to. <laughs> yep. Quarter question. <laughs> oh, look for sanity, I'll take BJ. Okay. <laughs> I thought that might be the answer. Uh, I'd probably win too much off you. Uh, number nine, we're nearly there. Uh, Favourite jockey, current? Oh, Pikey, of course. Pikey, okay. Wizard. And uh, finally, will you give me $10 cryptic glove on Saturday? No, I'm backing it. Okay, fair enough. Thank you, Pete. I appreciate no it. That was easy. Yeah, done. <laughs> Ten with Terry. Ten with Terry on the one-one. Yeah, it's been very interesting. We could probably go on for a, say, a long time, actually. A thousand more questions. But, so, uh, so what we might do is we might just just keep keep moving. But prior to starting the preview, I'm very interested to know how Pete goes about setting himself up for race day. So mm -hmm. we'll get to that shortly. So just letting everyone know we're recording on Thursday, March 12. It's uh, quarter to 12, actually. And um, from a racing calendar point of view, we have Pinjarra today. It's JC Roberts and Natasha Stakes Day at Ascot on Saturday, which we're about to preview, of course, as well as Minganu Cup Day on Saturday and Mount Barker Cup Day on Sunday. So yes, That's a pretty thin old Mount Barker Cup this year. I've only had a very quick squeeze, but I think it's about a 68 plus or something. I'm not sure what it is most years, but it looks a bit thin. Yeah, well, I think the club will just be hoping that everything goes yeah, smoothly. So good luck to everyone at the Mount Barker Turf Club. Hopefully they can um, have a successful cup day because they've had a bit of a rough run in recent times. So, okay, it's time to thank our fantastic sponsors, the Mundaring Hotel and Market City Meets. Mundaring Hotel has been the heart of the hills since 1899, located in Jacoby Street, Mundaring. Go see the publican Ian Butchie O'Connor for a feed 
Flutter and some Froffy's Dairy. Make sure you tell him you're a one-one listener. The Mundaring Hotel sponsor our WA Racing Mastermind competition. Congrats to episode 15 winner, another Kalgoorlie guy, Mitch Brennan. These Kalgoorlie lads are absolutely cleaning up at the moment. Like them, mate. They sure do. $100 Mundaring Hotel voucher is in the mail to Mitch. Thank you very much for supporting the competition and the Mundaring Hotel. We'll read out this week's quiz questions before we preview race five. And, of course, Market City Meats. They are the largest retail butcher shop in Perth, located at the Canningvale Markets on Bannister Road. Timmy Hewitt, he runs the show. Drop in and say good day. He'll take good care of you. He always does. Market City Meats sponsor the very popular Get Out Steaks competition, S-T-E-A-K-S. Congratulations to last week's winner, Brody Russell. He's a former Rawa and Bunbury Turf Club employee, Brody. He absolutely loves his racing. Well done, mate. You uh, Make sure you enjoy those succulent steaks from Market City Meats. We'll run through the finer details of the competition, the Get Out Steaks, before we preview race nine on the program. And finally, if you want to read our stuff, go to the Betfair Hub for Terry's in-depth analysis and betting strategies and my pre-markets preview, the leg up, which is out now. It's available on bestbets.com.au as well as the Oz Race website. And Pete's lays. He likes to uh, throw a lay on Twitter. So if you if people can't find you on Twitter, what's your what's your handle, Pete? No idea. And McCormack's been making runs. They come up. I'm so not into technical things. I didn't know how to make a Twitter handle, so that is put it up. Look up part. Peter McCormick. Look at some interactions <laughs> with myself or BJ. You'll uh, you'll find him. He's uh, McCormick bookmaking. It sounds yeah, good you'll find him. We'll He's find him. Fine. McCormick okay. bookmaking. McCormick bookmaking sounds good. Stick around for our <laughs> stick around after the preview for our horses to follow. Top notch trailers. Whatever happened to segments? Not forgetting this week's one one Twitter poll as well. Mm. Preview time, Terry. Yes, let's get into it. Okay, so it is JC Roberts Stakes and Natasha Stakes Day at Ascot this Saturday, March 14. What's the weather, track, rail? What are we thinking, Terry? Oh, well, basically all we need to do is have a look. And um, I think a friend of the podcast, Daniel Cripps, messaged me yesterday with a picture of a very excited uh, GIF. Do you know what a GIF is, Pete? A GIF? I call it a GIF, yeah. A I GIF. know what it's one is. A GIF, yeah. Isn't it? yeah. <laughs> That's a gif, a gif. I, I think you can. I think it's an either either thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, he was basically it was a, an excited man in 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 the gif or gif whatever we're going to go with. Basically, uh, strong easterly, uh, not strong, but a, a strong enough easterly in play. And whenever there's an easterly, I think everything else just sort of goes out the window to some degree. So um, yeah, let's look for a. There's definitely going to be an advantage to those leading and those uh, on pace. I think, Pete. What do you reckon? I saw a weather report that said there's going to be a going to be rain and thunderstorm. Uh, I did. I saw that earlier. Chance and that's, of the shower. Yeah, that's uh, been. Um, yeah, the forecast has changed. I think since then, okay. unless it's changed back again. No, no, so no, no, by, no. by the time this goes to uh, this goes out, it'll probably be uh, pouring down rain again. So, but for now, I believe um, it should be a fine day. Maybe a, a small shower, but the easterly in play have to allow for horses on speed. Yeah. It's um, it's quite incredible uh, how much, especially earlier in the day. Um, it suits horses um, on pace. 
Does the nine meter rail position counter that at all? Just Jake? gonna, uh, sorry, jump in there. Uh, yeah, Pete's, uh, Pete's spot on. So they've changed the forecast is updated again. Four to 15 millimeters. Um, that's really good. So I'm glad I did uh, about eight hours form yesterday. I think it's gonna be a dry day. So that's wonderful. Um, yes, uh, no, the nine meters shouldn't matter too much, I don't think. Okay. Um, yesterday, uh, that's Wednesday. Uh, the rail was out at the 14 metres. It was a big westerly. And we've seen most of the season when it's, there's been a westerly in play and the rail's out somewhere near there. It's really suited those um, uh, off pace. And I think yesterday was basically just dead fair. Um, probably even suited those closer to the speed to some degree. There were definitely some winners off pace. But, um, yeah, I, I just, I, I've got a theory and I can't really quantify why um, I think it occurs. But I feel that as you get later in a season on any track, it just it becomes a lot harder to make those slashing runs or proper ground. And I, I just like favouring horses closer to the speed. So especially with the easterly in play, I'm, I'm really happy looking at those that are going to settle. Um, yeah, in the first four, really. Pete? I agree. Yeah, tracks tend to race leaderish more times than not until mm. I see a pattern that's developing otherwise, such as maybe the midweeks when the rails out have done this season. But apart from that, um, they run generally leaderish and early in the day more so. Good. Okay, so as we flagged earlier on the podcast, can you let the listeners in on fields come out on a Wednesday for Ascot on a Saturday? What does Pete McCormick do between acceptances being released and the race book becoming available and race one on Saturday. Probably should preempt that by saying from Monday, I do the ratings on the previous week's races. So I'll watch every meeting and rate the races. So I've got a rating, I've already got a rating on every horse for every race that's already run. So I've got that bank of ratings already. Do you use, so do you use software for that? No, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to, I'll embarrass myself and I'll even tell you. I'm going to be a laughing stock from here on, but. <laughs> I use index cards. I oh, actually still physically cracking, write them down in index card. Don Scott is my, I'm a disciple of Don Scott. Yeah. Um, he wrote The Winning Way to Successful Punning and I recommend anyone that's serious about doing ratings that they at least have a read of that. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty class, outdated. Ratings, is that right? Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty outdated now and <laughs> it's changed my life, that book. That's when I had the confidence, I guess, to rate my own horses and gave me the confidence to become a bookmaker in the first place. So. Yeah. You know, when you get along so well, Terry, Terry's a pen and paper man as well. I've, just, I've literally just written the name of that book down. I'm gonna go, as soon as we finish the podcast, I'm going to go online and order it. I don't, I don't think it'll be at uh, many local uh, bookstores. So, so just it's not, that. actually. Just, if I could just talk yeah. about that book for a moment. Yeah. I used to buy everyone I get hold of off eBay, and it used to cost me about $50 a copy. Mm -hmm. And I had several copies, and I'd give them to friends to who showed an interest and asked about it, so I'd give it to friends. That book now trades for about $400 on eBay. Um, it's in such short supply and obviously there's still a demand for it. Better so. find a winner at Pinjarra than just to pay for this <laughs> book. Like, sounds like they need a reprint. So how is the, just on that, um, as, how is the changing weight scales and the higher minimum and just the 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 different um, race types that are run now, how has that impacted your ability to for accurate class weight? ratings good question because mm. it does require constant tweaking every mm. time they do change that um uh it's and, and that's if basically what i do do i just tweak it to try and fit it in mm. to, to those changes as they do occur okay um, so you, when you say ratings as well is it just out of a a number out of 10 100 what are we what are, how are your how are your ratings on your index cards how do they work <laughs> okay you've got don scott's way which mm. is fairly um involved and i actually did a shortcut of that and Again, this is very embarrassing because it's probably watered it down quite a lot, but I'll watch a race. 
Um, the, everything Don Scott's done is based on weight. So weight's the currency that we use for everything. Every jockey has a jockey skill disadvantage, which is in weight, and you allow for barriers in weight, and um, things that happen in running is, is converted to weight. So everything's done in, in kilograms. What was the question? <laughs> what, but you said you have your ratings on the index card. What is your rating comprise of? Is it just a number? Or is it's it just, just a number that, that... Out of 110? Oh, sorry. And then when I watch the, um, the race, to, to get a rating, I'll give it a score out of 10. Mm -hmm. So if it's a, a out-of-the-box kind of run, it might get a 9 or a 9.5. Yep. If it's pretty average or less than average, then it'll get a 3 or a 4. Okay. So I end up with a number rating, which I put at the end of that, yep. and uh, I have a rating for every race that the horse goes in. Oh, I love that. I love that. I like hearing that uh, there's a bit of uh, some archaicness still out there because I know that we had Cripper on a few weeks ago, obviously, and he's all numbers and data and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, very, I'm, I'm very simple. BJ's seen pretty in-depth what I do. I mean, I, I just... Um, Create my markets by feel, get it to you. I get it to basically bang on 100%. When you create your markets and when you have a bet, how do you do it in that sense? I make two markets and one yep. is 120% and the other is 80%. Because I bookmake and I like to have a punt as well, mm -hmm. I do a punter's market to 80% where I should have a 20% margin in my favour. And I do a bookmaker's market to 120%, which again should give me a 20% um, fat yeah as well yeah yeah no i like that that makes sense so you, right. do, do you just do like a hundred percent market and then just take 20 percent add 20 percent or is i it just work it out 80 or 120 yep. yeah i don't actually worry about 100 percent market because yep. it's irrelevant to me at the end of the day yeah, yeah. okay so you, yeah is it is that relatively time consuming but i suppose because you've got your ratings already locked in it's just a, a matter of converting your ratings to a, a price. It yeah? can be very quick because mm. you do have your ratings locked in so mm. if it's a saturday race for instance with so your maps obviously Eight or nine uh, runners, uh, I can do it in 10, 15 minutes. Mm. If I do a Pinjara Maiden, three-year-old Maiden, where they're all coming from different trials and stuff, it mm. can be laborious and take two hours and end up with not much of, of, of much worth at the end of the day. Yeah. Speed maps, I don't overly map horses. I do look at maps. Mm -hmm. um, and if something sticks out like it's a 1,000-metre race and the favourite's drawn wide and looks like it's not going to be able to cross then sure, that's important to me. Mm. But my ratings tend to be... Because most races that are run tend to be leaderish, mm -hmm. my ratings tend to favour leaderish yeah, horses. Okay. Unless there's a change to that pattern, it's kind of already factored into my mm. ratings. I, I'm thinking it seems to work for me anyway. Until it doesn't work, I'll keep doing yeah. what I'm doing. <laughs> People tell me how much everything's changed in the last thirty years, and I'm still doing what I was doing thirty years ago, and it's still working. So I think that's the key is to find. I think every sort of professional punter or bookmaker probably has their own. Some people are probably heavy data. Some people are heavy numbers. Everyone's got their own sort of thing. And the, the several people I know, even sports punters, some of them have very unique sort of strategies or ways they go in it. But no two are the same. But everybody is successful or makes a living from it from because of their own sort of if I tried to do what you did or if you tried to do what um, Dan Cripps did or if um, like if we would probably all fail and go broke that's the thing but what we do works for us and that's probably the most important thing I think so there's many ways to skin a cat mm. the guys that, that harp on about benchmark figures all the time mm -hmm. though who purely do their form on IVR ratings I don't think you can do that no uh, a lot of people tell me they can but um, I think uh, Racetrack Ralphie came on that uh, Business of Betting podcast and said, IVR, rate, <laughs> IVR ratings at everything, the, the eyes lie, don't watch videos, just watch these IVR ratings. I totally disagree with that. Yeah. I think you've got to watch the videos. The vi watching videos is the most important tool that you can have. And you can see so much more in body language of a jockey or um, watching whether the horse came up the rail or out wide or how much interference has had, how soft it won on the line, for instance. Mm -hmm. All these things are I factors you can I only get from a video. agree with you anymore with that. But body language of a jockey is a really good one. I've never actually publicly discussed that at all. There's a horse I'm going to tip later today 
Um, no, sorry, I tipped it midweek and it lost. So this is a bad example. But um, body language of certain jockeys, Jason Brown's probably one. He really puts it away. And horses' margin of defeat, um, Paul Harvey's another, they can really be amplified and they can be a lot longer than they would have been. Had the jockey probably ridden it out to the line, mm. they can really, really put it away. And that sort of four-length defeat turns into an eight, nine-length defeat. And that's where you sort of also get a better price for it next start. So that's I really where, like that's that body Pete, language of jockey. That's where Pete can factor that into his rating. Exactly right. So exactly the, right. The, the end number is kilograms, yeah? Yeah, so it's just a number which I'll then put in as my base run rating yep. um, for the next time it races when I start to do a race. Mm -hmm. I then subtract the weight, the jockey skill, the disadvantage and yep. all those other things work out as a as a rating. So I get a number and work out the percentages from there and, and odds from that. So how do you how do you convert your your ratings into odds? Don Scott's book. Yep. I'd forget the page number. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think I've seen it. So it's every, all in there. So it's done yeah. as a decimal kind of thing. Yeah. So you add up the uh, decimal of each horse mm -hmm. in the race, you get a total for that race. So it might be as low as one point eight for a, a horse that's going to start around even money, mm -hmm. or it might be as much as seven or eight for a wide open race where you've got no idea. Mm -hmm. So yeah, very interesting stuff. So Pete didn't bring his index cards with him <laughs> no, today. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> So, and then obviously race day. What does race day look like for a bookmaker? Okay, so I, uh, to answer your question about when the, the book comes out, I do yep. my, my form either Wednesday night, Thursday. Yep. Um, I then, uh, there's a couple of mates I have a coffee with on a Friday afternoon and we discuss the form. They do ratings as well, similar to what I do, mm -hmm. to what I do. And so we just compare notes and that's a nice way to bounce off everyone else, what, what they've got. And if I'm over bullish on something or I'm, I'm missing something somewhere, I can pick it up from them. On race day, um, well, now I've started doing the East. It's a pretty early morning uh, with a three-hour time difference. I'm actually out at the track by 9 o'clock, getting up on the first in Melbourne and Sydney. Um, but I'll monitor the markets, but I don't bet early like I used to, so it's not so crucially important to me. If a horse gets crunched, I'm going to see it when I go up. And So pretty much until race one, I'm, I'm done. Okay. Very interesting stuff. So we probably need to do some deeper analysis on how pe people do their form like i'd be very much interested in a in a you know run through of that don scott method i mean um i've read a lot about it online and i've never really put it into into practice i sort of never really knew where to start do you know what i mean and obviously the access to the books are, are kind of uh few and far between so it's very interesting and uh, exactly what terry said about how how different people do their form and they're still able to, you know, There's a few make a punters out there uh, that follow various tipsters sort of uh, opinions and when everyone, because as I said, there's so many different ways we do form, when we all agree on one and there's myself and a couple of other um, people I talk to about the form, if we agree on one coming from sort of two different angles of looking at it, we know it's usually a very positive sign. And I, I think it'd be interesting um, to sort of record uh, the results and profitability on the ones sort of we agree upon when it's I and data all come together and price, obviously, yeah. uh, which is key. I've got, so, got a question for you. But how yeah. many index cards do you reckon you have? You must have a lot of index You must have cards. an absolute storage facility full of index yeah, cards. Yeah, look, I... Keeping the local news agency in business, <laughs> are you? Office works these days, yeah. Um, I don't he's know. our only buyer. <laughs> you, just, you just go on the front of the horse and carriage and go, <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to go down there. I'm going to have the piss taken out of me for this for a long time to come on the show, but I've got three shoe boxes full of index cards, so there's probably You'd about, have to. You'd about have 3,000 cards, I suppose. Yeah. I, I go through them every now and then and turf the ones that haven't rated for two years, but yeah. I was going to say, you saw me after Lonsdale Lady, so I reckon you can easily bite back at me. Uh, <laughs> it won't, won't take much for you to... Uh, so, so, do you have like a backup of your cards? 
how do you keep them safe? They seem like they are everything to your uh, whole business. I'm sure there's a lot of people that want to break into my house and steal my guest but <laughs> That's um, Martin Terry's next job, I think. <laughs> as yet, it hasn't happened. I don't think most people uh, realise yeah. what a valuable resource they are, so I'm pretty safe at the minute. <laughs> no one else will be able to decipher them. That's the only problem. They'll need to steal Pete as well and tie him up and say, what does this mean? I think we need to see a photo of the index cards put them on, on the one I, I know one I should have told you guys about that. That might be, no, that might be the poll question. Oh, that is the index cards. That's really good. All right. All right. We should get stuck into this, I think, Ben. Okay, race one, Mrs. Max Pie Day Plate for the two-year-olds over the 1,200 metres. We have a pretty short price favourite uh, at the moment in Dom to Shoot. Best available, 235 by the looks of things on the early odds. Terry, did you want to kickstart? Yeah, well, first of all, I'm, I'm a bit concerned they've uh, forgotten the E from the um, the race name. Do you think it's meant to be... I think they're thinking this is like a mathematical equation and they're using uh, the Pythagoras theorem rather than the meat pie, which I'd say Mrs. Max is meant to be, but then I don't know. We'll move on from that quickly. It might, look, it might actually be pie day. Might look it up. It could be, potentially. Yeah, it could be. Maybe it's, uh, it's advertising uh, multiple uh, multiple things. Anyway, I've got to stop talking now. Uh, this looks a, uh, a fairly simple race from a speed map point of view. Uh, Luke has put the uh, the apprentice on, Chloe has a party, who's, uh, who's obviously riding very well to claim a little bit of weight and and find the top. So I think you'll find Champagne Day of Leeds. Um, Dom to shoot. It's not the quickest horse out the gates, but... Um, I think Dom should should be able to muster up, especially over the twelve hundred, and hold the back of Champagne Diva. Um, I don't think we need to go much further. Pretty much agree. I'd smashing come across it outside. Oh, if it can. I mean, if you go back and watch Smashing's trial and debut run, and um, it, it doesn't to me look like it's got the the early speed. I reckon Smashing could arguably be the best horse in this race, um, but I just can't. I can't give it a map to sit there. I think Simon Miller really wants to take a sit with two year olds. Um, so I think Simon Miller comes across with time scale, sits on the outside and smashing will probably want to be closer to the speed because with the know, forecast. I don't know if it can get there because I think reciting is going to be forward. Yep. Uh, shoulder strap, Casey's, they'll probably yep. want to be That's forward. a normal tactic for them. Um, it's just going to be hard to find a spot um, forward of midfield for smashing. What do you think, Pete? Well, I would have thought it came across and sat outside. If um, time scale kicks up, it'll, I reckon it'll go around time scale. Time scale gets 1-1. Champagne Diva in front, Dom to shoot, sitting behind it. If Smashing gets there and gets there comfortably, it can it can definitely win the race. I just think it'll if it does get there, it's going to have to work for a third of the race at least to probably um, arrive there. So, look for me at the current prices. I'm not really too keen to get involved. I mark Dom to shoot two thirty, Champagne Diva about four fifty. They're currently basically on those marks um, with the Easterly in play. That's leader leaders back. They're the two I'd be looking at. But uh, current prices. I can't come at anything. Good luck to Luke Fernie. We're always cheering on a uh, friend of the podcast for us, aren't we, BJ? Champagne Diva, yep, yep. It's gonna, she's going to take some running down in front again. Pete, what are you thinking from a market point of view? I like Don to shoot. Mm. Uh, the 240, I think I saw it open up, was value on, on my odds. Two, I, 270 a bit earlier. 270, well, yeah, but... <laughs> I'm not one of those smart players that delves into those prices. Brad, Brad does listen to this, Pete. So this might be a good opportunity to say uh, maybe we can um, have, a at, have a look at uh, Tab Touch. Maybe look at, uh, at Pete's Tab Touch account, Bradley, and um, see if we can uh, just get his limits up a little bit. That'd be that'd be nice. Allow, allow Pete to have a bit of a Thursday play with uh, with everyone else. Hey? That would be much appreciated. Yeah. Yes, uh, Dom to shoot for me. Uh, it's going to sit behind Champagne Diva. Dom to shoot's got the good Saturday form through Surveillance, who was placed in the Magic Millions. Watch me dance, which is a massive chance in the Caracatta. As, as opposed to Champagne Diva, who could get there but hasn't done it yet. Um, 
she would have gone around at cricket score odds in the Magic Millions had she got a run. So on class, I'm going for Dom to shoot yep. uh, to beat Champagne Diva. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I've got Dom to shoot on top as well. Um, what price do you have Dom to shoot, Mark? I was I was a bit um, longer than you guys. I had him at 280. Okay. Um, but I might have uh, overrated the smashing, um, smashing price. I, I've got smashing... Uh, running on into second. I think it's a really nice horse. He's going to like 1,200 metres. From a map uh, position point of view, and as Pete touched on, the good form, Dom to shoot easily on top and smashing Diva to split um, Dom to shoot and Champagne Diva for second. Perfect. All right. Race two, the... Let me find the name. Let's see if they've misspelled this one. Tab Touch. Betty, a bet. Oh, oh, just on that, Terry. Yes. It's International Pie Day Is on really? Saturday. Have you just looked it up? Yes. Celebrate mathematics on Saturday, March 14. <laughs> Good day for the uh, data analyst then, clearly. <laughs> uh, the Tab Touch. Betty, a bet. Handicap. I found this uh, an intriguing race to do the form for. I, there's two standout horses. I don't think many of us will disagree the best two are the top two, Pete, in regards to Media Baron and Mystery Missia. Yeah, this is a trap race for me. Yeah. I, oh, I agree I with you entirely. They're the yep. two best horses. They're both ridden by apprentices and they both get back horses. Is now. there a butt with an easterly in play, isn't it? It's just uh, you sort of just look at this and go... Could we get one to steal this here? And I, I think we could get one to steal this here potentially. We could, but my problem, I've actually got three that could steal it. But yeah. I look at each of those three and, geez, there's holes in them. Um, yeah. El Delar is one of those, mm-hmm. trained by Phil McLeod, written by Ryan Hill. So that'll probably take up the pace, I'm Phil's thinking. Phil's quite a good you mathematician. Think, um, He'll be suited by a <laughs> Pi Day. Well, he's got PI in his name, so <laughs> exactly that's got to be a good start. Do you think... El Delar will cross scoreline. I'm thinking so. Scoreline will probably sit behind it, yeah, yeah, on the fence. Scoreline's another one I'll give a good chance to, Mm. but trained by Chris Gilbert, who's obviously improved the horse, Mm. and uh, ridden by Christy Bennett. I'm not too sure. This horse goes okay over the mile as well, scoreline, doesn't it? (laughs) That's an incredible record for a horse, isn't it? Eight wins all over the mile. um, (laughs) It is. Yeah, quite quite incredible. And the way it's improved, I actually um, I actually had something on it, that Albany win. I might have mentioned it to you, Vij. About 140 to 1, I had bugger all on it, but we had something very small on it. Since then, to come out and win at Ascot, it was pretty stiff in the way the Narragin Cup was run. Um, and then nearly knocked off Inspirational Girl, who... Yeah, um, took a fair horse to yeah, get past. Yeah, exactly right. Line. I mean, I've got scoreline being out across the two underneath it, um, Fancy Fox and Grey Enigma. Yeah. Land on the fence. Aldelar's always ridden aggressively. Lands in front of scoreline. Um, yeah, I, I can't see any real reason, especially with those bottom two. Um, Fancy Fox and Grey Enigma. I can't have either of them here. I, know well, I was going to say, I actually do have time for Grey Enigma in this race. Yeah. And it doesn't fit my profile at all. It's an ageing nine-year-old. But that run last, yeah, it was good. run last start was in a 78 plus. It was on the minimum, carrying 54, and ran Harry Thomas to a half length. Mm-hmm. It now drops to a 71, still gets in on the minimum with 55. Um, on weights and ratings, it, it actually comes into the race as a, as a live chance now. Quick backup as well, seven days. Mm. Well, Adam knows what he's doing, I think, but I, I just don't like the horse. I, as I say, those three horses I mentioned, Aldi Last, Scoreline and Grey Enigma, none of them I really want to hang my hat on to mm. be two good horses, but I've got reason to take on the two good horses. Does the eight-horse field uh, help Media Baron and, and Mystery Miss from all, from obviously from a – you know, from a pattern point of view, we're looking at on paces. There are, as Pete alluded to, definite question marks over the on pace brigade. Maybe Media Baron and Mystery Miss are just a bit too good for these. I can't see a cart up horse. That's that's the issue for me. Like, I think they're going to have to do all the work themselves, which they may well be good enough to do. I've got Media Baron clearly on top of Mystery Miss, and that's mm. a lot of that is down to um, the jockey. Um, but there's no cart up horse for them. So if, 
They've drawn five and six. They're going to be last and second last because barrier seven and eight is Audi Lara and Bella's Idol. I suggest we're going to see with Mitch Pateman on from eight a more aggressive Bella's Idol. Um, I think Bella's Idol will try and follow Audi Lara across and sit in the breeze. Um, Laurentino probably close to the one one. Fancy Fox and Grand Ingram are going to be the two just there, and they're going to be the ones. Um, so they're going to have to basically the top two are going to have to go around them all with the easterly in play. Do think Media Baron's the best horse? Do think Media Baron will probably get there? But um, for me, um, I, I've had a bet on Audi Lard around the $14 mark with the Easterly in play. That's just a really easy investment. I'm not necessarily expecting to collect, um, but it's well above my rated price um, with the conditions of the day. And I've had something on score on it, double figures as well. So no, no Laurentino for you? Today, not yet. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of Pat, Patrick Carvey on this horse. I think that's, um, that's the wrong booking. But um, it's definitely one I'm waiting for with bated breath. For Chloe to jump back on. What's your final summary of this race, Pete? I think I will lose. I will take on Media Baron <laughs> and Mystery Miss because I can't help myself. I yeah. have to take them on, but I can fully see one of them winning. Um, if I had strong confidence in one of those three horses I mentioned winning, then I'd go into the race with a bit of confidence, but I think I will lose. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how I feel as well. I'm going to back, I've backed Audi Lara and Score, and I'll probably go again on both if I get the prices, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to lose. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm going to lose, but it's, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, one of, uh, one of us often talk about one of my strengths in punting is um, getting used to losing. So being happy to lose is a good thing sometimes, isn't it? Knowing you've done the right thing. Over the years, there's something I've actually got quite good at, Terry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of experience. Uh, That's it. Where, where are you leaning, Beach? Uh, look, I just went for the obvious too. I think Media Baron, uh, all things being equal, Media Baron will beat Mystery Miss. Grey Enigma is the horse that I think is the most likely to knock them off. His run was just too good last Saturday. He he went, he came from behind Lord helped me run and went past it. Ran Harry Thomas to a half length, as Pete said. The run was just too good to ignore. Gets in again on the minimum, low draw. He's just got to be the best of the rest for me. What's what's he, what's what's Neville doing placement wise? So you got a horse um, that's got four ratings points to run second. He could run that midweek, just about. Um, I don't understand why you're chucking a sixty-two rater and a seventy plus, and then a sixty-six rater and a seventy-one plus. If you do win, you're gonna. I know at this stage of his career, he's a nine to take one more win. <laughs> he's, he's a nine nothing to lose. Yeah, nothing to lose. There's got to be there's got to be better placement um, for a horse that was sixty-two rated last start. Maybe. I know I know the race was small field. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Grand Enigma and over there went back in. They might have originally been scratched, but because it was only six, seven, eight runners, they went back in. Uh, okay. So I just, as Pete said, I just it was just a free hit, really. Yep. So I suppose at that at that stage of your career, you're not too concerned. If I've got a nine-year-old girl, then I'm not going to worry about yeah, ratings. Yeah, yeah, too you much. can jag one more when you. And this is a seventy thousand dollar race. So, yes. And it's yeah, winnable, and okay. it's at the right distance. And it looks like he looks like it might be the first time in my life I've been wrong here. It looks like it races in his colours now, where it never used to. So maybe he's the. He's the owner, oh, so Metro State as a nine-year-old would probably could pick come up, in handy. So. Pick up. Okay, uh, on to race three. One of the more intriguing races of the day. I found the uh, the R. Moore and Sons 100-year celebration handicap. So congratulations to R. Moore and Sons. Mm, raise the bat. Yeah, raise the bat. Exactly mm. right. Brought up the ton. Hopefully there's a hundred more. Um, Interesting race, this one. Mervyn doesn't get the roadblocks um, that we discussed a fortnight ago that um, that he would get. Uh, I think Just Act Natural probably comes across, find Mervyn's back. Uh, what did you have finding the breeze, Pete? This was, a, for me, an interesting interesting one map-wise. Is it Caricapo? Possibly. Mm-hmm. Not, not entirely sure, Terry, to be honest. 
I think uh, what we saw with, I don't think War God's going to have the pace. So I'm basically putting a line through War God being a part of this race. I think it'll go back to last from the wide gate and just never be in it. So happy calling it a six horse field. Just Ake Naturals purely in this race uh, as a bit of a roadblock. It's not going well enough to win it. Um, it was a bit better the other day though. Was a bit, was a bit better, but bit it's, better. Still, it's still a way away from being anywhere near. Actually, Paul, we'll be talking a lot about Paul Roberts today, I, we I certainly think. Will be. And his stable is doing really good things at the moment. So hats off to uh, Paul Roberts and his team. They certainly are. But uh, I am going to have something. I, I've basically got the map. Mervyn leading, Caracapo outside, Just Act Natural on um, the back of Mervyn. Probably Chicks Pick on the back of Just Act Natural. Chicks Pick probably will want to kick up and hold the back of Mervyn. That, that could occur. Mm. I, um, think, I, I think that's what will happen. Yeah. Mm. So it's either one of those two options. Little Fish... Probably in the 1-1 one, one, and um, Floyd on the back of Little Fish. Um, I, I just, I can't get away from the jockey change with Floyd. Jerry to Jared, I think that's got to be worth lengths. Um, I'm not too keen at hopping in too heavily or anything at around the $4 mark with the easterly in play about a horse coming off speed. Um, but that jockey change to me is, uh, is like gold. So uh, a clear lean to Floyd for me. Um, but if Chickspeak does hold the back of Mervyn, that could well be position A with the way the, the race is going to be played out, Pete. I agree with you. Floyd's my go in the race. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. a lot earlier, Pete. This is disappointing. I really, I really wanted to butt heads. We will. We yeah. will. Uh, <laughs> give it time. Give it time. I've got Floyd a bit at 410. I see it's just on tab touch ducked under the four bucks so it's slightly under my price now mm-hmm. the pattern concerns me a little um it's going to be out the back but i i do like jared being on it i do think the horse is in good form and i think it's the, the one that could be running over them in the end i don't think mervyn's going to get as strong a 1200 as he did a thousand mm-hmm. in this company he's i know he's won three races at the distance but i think they might have been more your kalgoorlie type races where you can kick off that bend um but yeah floyd yep there you go yeah, I was pretty keen on Floyd last start, and there, there was plenty of merit in the performance. Yeah, it's probably the run of the race. Yeah, it? it was big. I tend to think this is the race for Chicks Picks, if, especially if he can hold leaders back and follow Mervyn into That's the, the race. Uh, got copped a bit of a bump and buffeting on on um, on jumping last start, and he settled further back than anticipated. Wanted to improve into the race, but the roadblocks that Terry alluded to in the preview to that race, that's exactly how it panned out. He wasn't able to move into the race when he wanted to under his own terms. I think he'll get that with Mervyn, uh, setting the, the tempo and him landing in the box seat. If he gets the galloping room he requires, he's gonna be, he has to be hard to beat. Mm-hmm. And obviously Floyd's a winning chance and if Caracapo brings his best from outside leader, um, yeah, would need, would need to improve. That was a little bit uh, disappointing last start. I yeah, think. that was a thousand though. Yeah. His, his Ascot twelve hundred meter profile is excellent. So can't um, forget little fish. Either. I was just going to say, uh, any idea on how yep. that's going, Terry? Well, I have no idea how it's going, but all you know is whenever these Fernie horses, either Peter or Luke, come to town um, without a trial first up, you can be pretty confident they're close to their peak because they've been uh, they've all been running very big races. Pim's Royal last week was huge. Well, it's the, it's one with the run of the day. It's one nine from seventeen. So yeah, it's, exactly it's just a, it's a lot just of those a in Kalgoorlie, but yeah. it's uh, yeah, it's a first up three from four um, track and distance. Everything uh, statistically in that sense, everything makes sense. As I said, I think Mitchell find the one one. Um, um, with this horse and um geez you just can't ride off a fernie runner at the moment so it should be a cracking it's only a small field but it's a really really cracking little um bunch of sprinters so looking forward so to you it. so terry is floyd and floyd and floyd for pete i'm gonna lob on to chicks pick on top okay 
I do think uh, if Chicksbeak does hold the spot that you uh, you had it holding, mm-hmm. um, it'll be a matter of Floyd and the Little Fish probably coming down the outside, chasing you down. And whether they can get there or not, I don't know. But um, yeah, it's a, a good viewing race anyway. All right. So race four is the Glenroy Chaff Handicap. Graduation 1,200 metres. Um, Sherpa Lass is unbeaten in her three starts so far. She uh, looks the obvious uh, on topper, but is the price right for Sherpa Lass, Pete? Not for me. Um, I've got it on top. I don't have it at even money or thereabouts where it is now. So, again, I'll have to take it on. It often costs me riding a horse on top and then then laying it, but I do it all the time. I have to. Um, Even money, it goes in. It'll have a red dot next to it, which means it'll be a loser if it should win, but um, definitely taking on at that price. Yeah, I, it fell in last start, didn't it? I actually did better than I thought it would. I didn't mm. think it was any any real super type of horse, but it, it did impress me last start. Yeah, it, I thought it, it was actually, pretty good, actually. Uh, exceeded my opinion of the horse. It, it's a pretty fair horse, but um, it, it's still taking a step up and even money's too short. Yeah, I, um, I was happy to oppose her as well. Uh, with the conditions of the day, form stable. I like the booking as a party. I think Kitgum could um, be the horse to make things really interesting for Sherpa Lass. I'm anticipating really positive tactics from the mid draw. If Kitgum and as a party can find the rail in front, I think he's going to take some getting past. He was three wide, no cover, sixteen and a half kilos at Pinjarra the other day. That was a big win. It was tough, wasn't it? It was tough. Blankenberge went to Jelton one by three or four lengths, bolted in. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like I think at that price too, I'm pretty sure I might mark kick um, second fave, 650 or something like that. So okay. oh, third fave, 650. Gestine, second favourite. So I'm, yeah, yeah from as a, from a pricing point of view. And kick, a speed map with the ECB yeah, point of view. Does make sense. Speed map. Um, $11 is, yeah, it's really nice. At the best available for hit, for kick gum. I'm happy to have a go at the $11, Terry. What are your thoughts? Oh, I'll be pretty much staying out here. I, I suggest Sherpa Lass a mile under the prices, though, in just getting past around the point. I, I personally just thought it was a nice enough win, and the drop from 1200 to 11 wasn't suitable. Mm. Back to 12 is suitable. Um, it can definitely win again, but it's going to win without my money at $2.10. Um, Gestine will get well back. On a track where that might not be the place to be, so probably happy looking around uh, Gestine, but I do think it's probably one of the three chances. But I'll, I'll have something little on Be Quick at around about seven bucks. Long Beach and Lipstick Flickers, the only two to beat her home last start. She's a bit susceptible out of the machines, which is uh, definitely a concern. Mm-hmm. Um, but if Brad can sort of slot her three pairs back, find the right gaps on straightening, I think the seven to one about her is the only current real value in the race. Um, but I can definitely see um, why you would attack Kitcum though. Makes yeah. complete sense. What did you price Kitcum and be quick for the listeners? I'm, I'm with you, yeah. BJ. I've got Kitcum a bet at 750. Mm-hmm. And be quick, I don't quite get it as short as Terry. I've got it $10 a punt, so. Yep. Kick um, nine, be quick five for me. Sherpa last 3.45 as well. That's where I had it, so. Okay. That, I just worked mine to 100% though. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's, yeah, that's really good information. So, um, yeah, it's good. The only other horse I'd just like to mention, I thought it showed, looked above average at stages last prep. It's first up, drawn wide Chris Graham on board. Next stop, the moon. Is that going to go forward, do you think, or is it going to go oh, back? Pete, Pete's in Chris Graham's mind at the moment, so we can probably ask Pete. He'll know, he'll know exactly where they're I'm going. I'm certainly go. not in his mind. Um, <laughs> I hope that I can get in his head. Um, mm. I have no idea. It's, it's, it's a leader. It's a natural leader. It looks like it 
may go forward. I'm, I'm hoping, like you said, kick, kick, yeah, exactly. I'm <laughs> yeah. hoping it goes back, and yeah. then I'm more keen to lay out an apprentice coming from behind than in front. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Absolutely. Okay, so it's time to do the Mundaring Hotel WA Racing Mastermind Quiz, fellas. So four questions, as always. Here we go. Question one: Who are the current trainers of last year's Natasha Stakes winner, Jed Affair? Question two. Name the 2020 JC Roberts acceptor whose dam won the 2010 Natasha Stakes. Three, who was the trainer and rider of 2012 JC Roberts Stakes winner Rohan or Rowan? And four, name the horse that knocked off Regal Power to win last, last year's JC Roberts Stakes. What do you think, Terry? Yeah, I reckon I went pretty well there, actually, for once. Yes. Yeah. Trivia, your strong suit, Pete? Oh, would be. Not really. No, um, I read the answers there, and I <laughs> would have actually struggled a little bit, to be honest. Oh, he's playing coy. I reckon you got four from four there, <laughs> Peter. Yeah, so, yeah, Dad, he's got all the answers written on his index cards at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay, so the... Get your answers in, guys. Direct message us uh, at the 1-1-Pod on Twitter. There is a $100 Mundaring Hotel voucher up for grabs. So if you know all four answers and if you want to be the mastermind, send them through, Terry. Yes, get involved. Uh, let's have a look at race five. Not the quaddy yet, is it? No, we're one short of the quaddy. Uh, the Dorsonia handicap uh, over the 1600, uh, one Metro win, 60 plus race. Found this a very easy race um, to decipher. Didn't think there was a huge amount we needed to go into here. Um, Spirit and Fire, uh, I think we'll, we'll probably end up leading again. I don't know what the plan is really. Um, we discussed post race that we thought they probably should have let him roll it. I've looked at the data yeah, and it turns did. out they absolutely motored. So I can't see. But I don't know whether they let him roll at the right time. Yeah. Though. Do you know what I mean? I reckon that the rolling was done to the 800 and then he had to come up for air. But yeah, keep going. Sorry. Yeah. No, it was a, it was interesting in that sense whether you can get the horse underneath you. I, I don't know. Just to me, it's a, it's a horse that needs to to probably race over a shorter trip, probably give it a spell, let it freshen up, come back. Um, but Mark doesn't really like spelling his horses too much, Mr. Bear, so do they? They like, uh, they like good, long, solid, hard campaigns. So uh, you'd suspect Spirit and Fire leads. Tollman, I think from seven, looks the obvious to come across, sit um, on his outside or potentially tow the rest of the field up if, um, if Spirit and Fire does sort of uh, tear away and leave a big gap to the remainder of them. Um, and that's the way I am really happy going. Um, this is close to my best of the day, actually. Um, as you said before, Beach the pool. Robert's Yard's flying. Uh, that win um, last week, 10 days ago against Sakaya, that was huge. Not many horses were making ground. Sakaya's flying at the moment. Sakaya got it pretty nicely out in front. He really ripped ground off him late. Big gap back to third. Um, I love how this horse has sat outside the leader. It's led and it's also won from back in the field. So it looks a really nice, promising type. Mm. Um, I have no doubt that Dark Choice uh, and Ugart Lockie are really nice horses, but they're going to both be standing. Um, Tollman, a big head start with some pretty average ones in between them as yeah. well. Yeah, Heaven's Gates, Universal Maze, Jazz Paras. There's not necessarily great card-up horses there. So um, Tollman, a clear and comfortable bet for me um, at anything $3 plus. Peter. Okay, I've got, a, I've got a lay around the same price. I okay. like the horse. We, we, might, we might be going head to head here. we go. <laughs> well, I'm not <laughs> as passionate about this race as you are. I'm not that uh, emotionally invested in it. 
Well, well, it's more financially, I find, than emotionally. I think Mr. Kunifer gets the trail mm-hmm. and tracks into the race pretty well. It's at $10 and that's starting to look a little bit attractive to me. The other one I like is your Dreamin', which finished really well and quite clear of third last week behind King Blitz. I rated it last week, had it in the quaddy. I wish I had a one from that point of view. Um, I think it's going pretty well, that horse. So happy to side with it as well. Um, there's quite a bit of value there for me as well. So the other two I'd be punting, your Dreamin' and Mr. Kunafa. Um, no, no blue on Tollman. I think he's around about his right price at the $3. Mm-hmm. So is your Dreamin'... The current price is that a bet for you? Absolutely, four eighty yeah, for me. So really, it's okay. good over four dollars eighty. Yeah. Oh, Peter, no, surely not. I'll give you, I'll give you ten to one. You want to lay that on? Hang on, I better be careful what I say. Yeah, <laughs> He'll <laughs> I've written that one down. And are, we it's on about, you, uh, are, we, are we worried about? He's already written the ticket. <laughs> another index card's coming out. Are we? Uh, are we worried about how far he gets back though? Um, on this type of track, can he out sprint a horse like Dark Choice if he does get back to last? I mean, what, what does Steve do with your dream? And that that'd be my biggest concern. Can he? Can he run past all of these horses as he as he may be required? Um, he got past do? a few last week. Mm. He did, but that was in that race. Um, that was the last, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah that, that was in that race where all the leaders stopped on each other and it was just a mess. And that and Ukgaard Lockie ran third in that same race. I think it was really suited to those um, to those horses that were off speed and coming wide and making those runs. But I don't know. Look, your dream knocked me out of a fairly big quaddy two starts ago, so I might be a little bit biased here in, uh, in, uh, in taking it on perhaps. Yeah, okay. I'm, I didn't necessarily think Dark Choice needed to get necessarily rearwards mm-hmm. um i take on board what you say i was i was trying to um find toll man on top myself and I, I don't know whether i fell into the trap of can paul roberts train two winners on one day or something like that two metro winners but i ended up looking through the dark choice three-year-old form and you know like that that form line has been a pot of gold moving forward into that the four-year-old season Graham, right? As a yeah i just don't i just think with with the the mid draw and um, the genuine tempo anticipated, I don't think he can get into a lot oh, of trouble. Quote this, quote this. I don't think he can get into too much trouble. I don't think he can. But okay. um, look, taking her on her best, I thought her first up run was slashing. Huge uh, mile. You know, I, I I tend to think she can begin well enough to at least be in the first maybe six or seven mm-hmm. uh, with three or four behind her. If she's close enough, I think she can get over the top of Tollman. Ugard Loki, I really like as a horse, but Gate and Matt is against. Not I, much I, luck, is it? I quite horse? like Mr. Cunifer as well, especially at the price. I think he's going to get rails in run and, uh, yeah, I think he um, will appreciate Jason Whiting back on board also. He certainly will. Who was on last time? Uh Chris Grant. Yeah, right, right, well, Chris actually, I think he, he sat behind did, the leader and yeah, just wasn't good enough. Yeah, and no, I, I have a lot of uh, respect for Dark Choice. If he rides Dark Choice well and um, gets it uh, close enough, um, it probably will be good enough. But um, yeah, I'm really keen, Tollman, personally. So jumping in, diving in. Excellent. With confidence. All right, race six, uh, the first leg of the Quadro, the Byron Bay Premium Lager. Handicap. I haven't had a Byron Bay Premium. Have you sampled that product? No, that might be a Saturday afternoon chore for me, I think. Uh, Pete, you want to lead us off here? Um, okay. 
Cryptic love. Just, okay, I was just watching him go through his. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't make that joke anymore, can I? Cryptic love, I think, was immense. Last start, really good behind Regal Council. Um, drawn two, should be able to sit where it wants. Mm. I got it three twenty a punt, which is the current price on Tab Touch. Not a lot of overs there, but a bet for me. Yeah, no, I think so. It should. I look back and I think the query that some people will have with Cryptic Love is the 1,400 metres. And I think if you look back to its form, and in particular one run last campaign, um, Harvey jumped from a wide-ish gate. It was a leader-ish by his day. The first of all, what I liked in that run is A, gate speed. B, sat three deep with no cover over the 1,400. was still there right at the end um, in a race won by Platoon. Uh, it was it was really really impressive. So for me, the fourteen hundred is no issue whatsoever. Sometimes statistics don't tell the full story, do yeah, they, Peter? It's, it's important if you've got a query, distance query on a horse. Go back. It's to always important and and watch all three of those yeah. ones because they could have been unlucky fourths or fifths or unsuited on on the day or whatever. But actually, Cryptic Love's fourteen hundred meter profile isn't that bad. Whereas if you look at the numbers, you think, oh, hang on. Exactly so, right. Exactly. I know early in its career as well, like they, there were some discussions that they thought Cryptic Glove was a horse you needed to ride dead cold, and the only way you were going to get its strength, um, its finishing burst, was to ride it dead cold and just just save, just save, just save. I don't think um, that's the case with this horse anymore. I also think that was when Troy Turner was riding it um, at the start of its career, and I, I don't think he handled it probably as well as uh, Harvey did towards the end of last campaign. I think this horse could have had uh, what's I mean, what's the career record? Uh, twenty one win, starts. That could easily be seven wins, I reckon, from its twenty one starts. It hasn't had much luck, and um, it's vying with Tollman for my uh, for my best of the day. So, so just quickly, what leads? Uh, are we going to see aggressive tactics from He's a Gunslinger again, or I'd was like that just to. a one-off? I'd like to, and, and if it's wet again, um, I, I think that um, I think the way it won, I think we're truly great coming out yeah. and franking that form to some degree. Um, yeah, I, I think they should go forward. He's a Gunslinger. I just spoke about Cryptic Love should have had a far better career record. He's a Gunslinger. He's had fourteen starts for three wins. That could be fourteen starts for seven or eight wins comfortably. Um, he's. He's also got a stack of time for. Um, Sophie's song drawn directly on his outside. Sophie doesn't begin all that well, but can muster to get up there. I'd like to see him just go to the top and say, sit on my outside, yeah, Sophie. Um, I, but think, I think that's the way to go. Also, 54 and a half, one with yep. uh, 57. Would you be keener on he's a gunslinger if Jade McNaught was on board, Terry? Uh, probably not, no. Um, uh, I, I don't think I'd be too perturbed either way, but okay. Jade, it's it's found a bit of trouble with Jade on it um, throughout its career. But uh, if you're going forward, I always like the claiming apprentice in that sense. But no, Chris is riding really well at the moment, so I don't think it's uh, I think it's much of a, a muchness. A Kiko from eleven will probably come across and be a nuisance to him up front. So, I mean, with Cryptic Glove, you know you're going to be one or two pairs back from an inside gate, so you're going to need some luck in the straight. But we always need some luck, don't we, Peter? I think uh, Martin Allen might have the lead worked out there yeah, between he's a gunslinger and a Kiko. He's not yep. going to take take him on with each other, I'm sure. So whether a Kiko goes forward or back, I'm not sure, but I'm sure he won't be getting into a speed battle with with he's a gunslinger. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, cryptic love really ticks all the boxes, and I think we're united uh, across the board there. Um, two dollars, two dollars thirty for me as well. Oof. Yeah, thin. Okay, yeah, very thin. So definitely a bet. Anything post, uh, anything above three to one is a comfortable bet for me. Yeah, and the only other horse I'd like to mention moving forward. I don't think it's her race on Saturday, but Heavenly Affair should improve and might be ready to rock and roll third up okay. as well. Yep. What are you? So you're with Cryptic Glove too? Cryptic Love. Yeah. Oh, around the table. I yep. like that. We've got a table bet for the day. 
Okay, ah, this is an interesting race. The first listed event of the day, one of the key build-ups to the WATC Derby, which is on the 11th of April. Um, I'm really enjoying the build-up to the Oaks and the Derby mm. and um, sort of these same horses. I know it's pretty much the same horses that clash every couple of weeks with the, the blokes and the girls, and they all come together in the Derby, but it's um, a really intriguing um, year for it in that sense. Um, Peter? I think, I think one thing that has added to the intrigue is that I'm pretty sure all the lead-ups thus far have been won by non-Peter's Investments runners, yeah. which has been, um, which has thrown the Oaks and Derby, um, I guess, discussion rare. wide yeah. open. It's good. It's yeah. quite, quite refreshing, yeah. actually, to mm. see a, a mix of stables getting involved rather than the Cerise and White just mm -hmm. dominating every time. And in the past, often, they've started deep in the red as well, so betting's been stifled because it's just so so one-sided. Yeah, 100%. We're used to um, only the two-year-old feature races being sort of anyone else can win them. If it's anything else, it's uh, it's, Bob's to, uh, it's Bob's to lose, basically. But, uh, Pete, I believe you're quite keen on one here. Very opinionated here, yeah. I think Talladega <laughs> leads and wins. Mm. Um, out of impressive journey, he won an Oaks. Um, so I don't think the step up from 1,400 to 1,800 is any problem. I don't see any threat to it leading. I think it should lead unchallenged, and I think it's a very good horse on the way up. Mm. Cryptic one I have a lot of time for, but it's going to have to go back, and there's going to be quite a few horses in the way, depending on how the track's playing. If it's leaderish as well, then I just think Talladega wins. I like that. That's a good push, isn't it? Yeah. That's I'm, a good level of confidence. I'm pretty keen on Talladega as well. Actually, mm -hmm. I actually think that four-horse, three-odd race last Saturday, I think all four of those horses are really good. Yeah. And he just sort of just had them at arm's length the whole way. And it was just – it just oozed class, that performance last Saturday. And Mitchell Pateman was supremely confident as well. Um, yeah, I, I initially thought that they might come across with stablemate Fuhrer and lead – and then Talladega get the get the trail, but I'm sort of after talking to Pete off air and then listening to him his summary before. I, I tend to agree. I think they're going to try and lead here with Talladega, uh, and if and if the conditions are suiting on the day, geez, he's going to be a hard horse to get past. Mm -hmm. uh, Darren McAuliffe, they will lack this horse will lack nothing in fitness. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I think Pete's onto something here. I think this horse is is the one. Yeah, I think the market won't miss him either. I think what people look at is the um, the last race, the Lex Piper. That was a, a funny old race. I mean, the run of the race for me was Apache Pass. I thought diving through the gaps there. Bogart was ridden incorrectly back on the fence when we really believe it's a wind-up horse. Cryptic Wonder was good, but yeah. under the stick a long way out. There's no money matters here. What Talladega brings is a point of difference. Um, I don't think any of those were superstars and Talladega... Could be a superstar. I've got query. It's its first campaign. It's 11, 12, 14 to 1800 on its first campaign. Look, I've got Talladega on top. Probably not as keen as you guys are, um, but I can definitely see why. Um, isn't, it, isn't it just sort of a real impressive racing Darren yeah, McAuliffe manoeuvre, though? Like, if there's any stable that can pull something, uh, I guess, uh, unconventional off from preparation-wise, it's usually... McCall, um, McCall, Lindsay Smith as well. Yeah, they're the two ones that come to mind at the moment. So yeah, Look, the only other one I'd consider is uh, uh, just because I feel bad for Bob not winning any of these races thus far is uh, if if we can get Bogart wide winding mm. up into the race um, and Talladega doesn't happen to run the eighteen hundred or or whatnot, I think we'll see a far improved effort from Bogart. But um, yeah, I think uh, I think 
You're under the opinion this will probably start favourite, Pete? I think the market might turn yep. around with yep. Talladega being favourite over Cryptic Love. I'm a bit of a knock on Bogart. That midweek race, if you remember the favourite smart tycoon? Or yeah, uh, Tycoon Storm. Tycoon Storm was scratched yeah. at the barrier, left it as an odds-on favourite. Mm -hmm. Magnuson Man had actually managed to get yeah. over by 0.3 of a length. Magnuson Man. Failed at 2, Joe. Failed at York. Started favourite. I can't yeah. believe it ever started favourite. Even money. So yeah. that, that form is very poor. Then mm -hmm. last start in the Piper, it never went round a horse. It had the rail all to itself, so it was entitled to run off, to, run on to some extent. Um, I wasn't overly impressed by its run. So for me, the jury's well and truly out on Bogart. He has to do something to, I want to, to see, impress me. I want to see him let Bogart wind up in the 600. I, 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 too, I think I, it's just a horse. I've always said I think it's just a horse. I don't think it's anything special at all. But I think it's one that will definitely get the journey, definitely be running on at the end. But, um, yeah, it's, it's the way he sort of he spits it out at the 6800 is a hard horse to back. But that was he? that was that was mainly tempo He's done related, that a few though. Times, though, in other races I, too. I, I tend to think that if he stays one off where Cryptic Wonder was that he finishes closer. Mm -hmm. um, oh, without doubt he does. Um, but yeah, he's still got to prove it. He's yeah, that's that's fair enough. I I'm still Keeping the faith with him. I can't wait to see him over the 22 and 24 really? burger. I'm worried about him over the 22 and 24. Yep. Look at his damn Avante. She was a 1,200 meter horse. Yeah. She never yeah. went past 1,200. So mm -hmm. it's a bit of a stretch to think that he's going to run 2,200, 24. Maybe he will, but yeah. on breeding of the, through the dam side, I'd be a little bit concerned. All right. Peter, $3.40. Talladega. Is that a bet at that price? I'll take that. Thanks. You'll take that. Thanks. <laughs> okay. There we go. I like that. So, so I'm on a $10 the other one. And yeah. <laughs> no, that's what it currently is. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah no, no, I'm not offering, it's, it's I'm a not bet offering for me. that. I've got a really it'll short It'll probably be a bet for me as well, actually. I've marked it around that price, but. Um, it's my best bet of the day. Okay. There you go. It's his best of the day. I was, yeah, I was 3.30 as well, Talladega. There we go. What price were you paying? 2.40. 2.40. I like that. Um, one horse I want to throw out there, uh, not quite Maddie price, but I thought Criminal Code went really well uh, in the uh, lead up, the Piper, mm -hmm. the other day. Just got squeezed out by Cryptic Wonder at a vital stage. Um, finished right on their heels. Is going to get it real soft from two. Uh, wouldn't be leaving it out of your quaddies. Perfect. Okay, before we move on to race eight, actually, BJ, I was going to ask you, have you noticed that Troy Turner doesn't seem to be getting the rides for Tiana Robertson at the oh, moment? Yeah, I did notice that. Is he falling out of favour? Is there a, anything you know of? Not, nothing that I am aware of. But so midweek um, there was a two-year-old as well, which he didn't ride, and then uh, there Rebel, was Our Idol. Rebel Tail, Our Idol yeah. yesterday, and, then, and um, Criminal, Criminal Code. Code. So um, maybe a changing of the guard at the uh, up-and-coming Robertson Yard, perhaps. Potentially, yeah. Mm. It is an interesting uh, side note because Stevie Parnham's riding Criminal Code and um, Troy Turner goes on to replace the suspended Jade McNaught on yep. Kelvin. Um, Jade had a busy week. It feels like she got suspended five times so in two days. So um, she might end up being out for the best part of a month and missing uh, the Oaks and potentially Oaks Derby rides, Karakata yep. plate rides, all those sort of stuff. So um, pretty pretty savage time to cop a suspension, what especially ride, what when you were suspended for. Uh, she received a suspension on Bunbury Stakes Day, I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. And then she was suspended from two races at Ascot last Saturday. Okay. Uh, one of the rides was Red Publisher. Um, and I'm not quite sure on the other one, just escapes me at the moment. So she's looking at potentially a month on the sidelines. All right, a bit of a holiday for Jade. Mm. Oh, no one's going on a holiday at the moment, are they? Coronavirus. Yeah, everyone's staying put. You got all your toilet paper, Terry? Yeah, look, we're a little bit thin. I just uh, gave Peter, he's pretty happy, little collector's edition, a little bit of a Peppa Pig training tissue in case he <laughs> ran out while he was here. So just uh, always looking after our guests on the other uh, one-one. Good to hear. Okay, 
BJ, the Natasha Stakes, I like this as a horse race. This is an exciting horse race. Um, really, really, really think it's quite a simple horse race to dissect, um, to be honest with you. I think you can put a line through 10 of these, nine of these runners. So nine of the 13? Nine of the 13, a line go through. Um, Peter, did you have, where, where were you heading in this direction before I just completely... Steal the uh, in this race. Sorry, before I completely uh, just uh, you're blabber fine. On for um, the next twenty. I minutes. found there's been a fair bit of movement in the market since we've even been here, which has taken a bit of the fun out of it for me. Can you describe exactly what's what you've seen happen so far for us, Pete? Well, it looks like Naughty by Nature has been backed quite solidly. I think mm -hmm. it was the other side of four dollars this morning. It's into mm -hmm. three fifty on Tab Touch. Lonsdale Lady, I think I saw four forty on Tab Touch. It's mm -hmm. into four. Um, Canvas has drifted out to seven, and Tuscan Queen, Queen is slowly drifting out, and that's the one I don't like in mm -hmm. the race. Um, barrier 13, it's going to go back probably to last. It's going to have a lot of what Terry likes to call roadblocks in the way, I expect, or things to go around. So, Do you think that Peter Hall will look at the race and say, okay, you've got the Lonsdale Lady up front and you've got the other good chances like Naughty by Nature, Canvas, even Dart Mission of a Stretch, Pambella, just sitting not far off it. Do you think, oh, God, the only way I'm going to win this race is to be aggressive early and find a spot? That's possibly a scenario which mm -hmm. I'm happy to lay anyway. Exactly, exactly right. He's, yeah. he's going to be damned exactly, if he does right. and damned if he doesn't. 100%. I think... They will just cop their medicine, feeling like she's. It's not the grand final. No, is it? Yeah, no, exactly so, so, right. They don't want to cook her before the WA shortly. So, especially with I, uh, Pike back in town, because Peter Peter Hall is uh, heading into yes. uh, overseas to Mauritius. Uh, I understand why they had to put her up favourite. Um, she's got the name, the reputation, um, and you have to keep her safe to some degree. But yeah, I think she'll get she'll be pretty easy in the market. She would be my lay of the day, but what price I'd have to go to the layer, I'm not sure. Yeah, that's always the worry, isn't it? You'll have to get out to 5.50 type thing, and that's when it gets a bit sticky. So anyway, where were you heading with the race, Pete? Well, Naughty by Nature is the obvious one, isn't it? Mm. Um, I believe someone picked it last start. I'm oh, sorry, not Naughty by Nature. Um, your horse, Lonsdale Lady. Lonsdale Lady. Someone picked it last start and uh, found it. And Oh, just on that, Pete. Did you witness the post-race celebrations? Mm. I heard you had a bird's eye view. Or... Yeah, I tend to walk down the, the bottom of the track on distance races so I can get away from people. And uh, <laughs> I was watching the race by myself and I thought, oh, I think Terry picked that. And then um, something out of the corner of my eye came charging back down the straight and went charging faster than the horses in the opposite direction. And I, my first thought was it was a Bucks party and they're getting out of control <laughs> and someone's gone stupid. And then... I realised it was a red-headed flash and <laughs> recognised it was Terry. It was pretty fired up at the time, but as he should have been. I mean, that was a sensational tipping performance to mm. declare a horse at that price. It was it was excellent. Yeah, I think we'll move on from that quickly. So you think she'll win again, do you? Actually, I want to see. I want to talk to Perth Racing about That's getting some CCTV footage. Of that. That, now that would be that would be comedy gold on our Twitter. That's feed. only happened twice in uh, in my uh, probably 10, 15 years going to the track, and the other one was when Dig Deep won the carry. Yeah, I, saw, I witnessed that. Yep. So, yes. Anyway, Peter. Um, well, I'll probably hand it over to you. I think last time I saw the crescent, and you saw the hole of the moon in regards mm. to the Lonsdale Lady. Um, so you've probably got a better take on it than me, but yeah, I see I, no I reason why she shouldn't. Yeah, I think the listeners want to know. Terry's really got his radar in uh, when it comes to Lonsdale Lady. They want to know what's the guru doing with her on Saturday. Uh, I, I like I like these races going forward, and I think we're going to continually try to. I think we're going to have a good build up to the Oaks. I feel like I'm seeing these races quite well. Um, and we're gonna, I think Lonsdale Lady can win, definitely, but there is some negatives. Um, the negatives with Lonsdale Lady. Uh, firstly, uh, Jade's off, Chris is on. Um, I don't say, I'm not saying that's a negative jockey change, but somehow he's raking these horses out in front. This is the first time rider. 
Um, just that's that's always I mean, knowledge, knowledge and connection is important. Yeah, sure. exactly right, exactly right. And I do think Jade's one of our best front running jockeys in Perth. Like um, Peter mentioned Taylor Stone earlier. Not many would say that Taylor's one of the best jockeys Perth's ever had, but she's a, she was an amazing front running jockey. Wasn't with she? a claim, she was a bonus. Yeah, the, the exactly. day she lost with, a claim, exactly she right. lost her advantage. But yeah. front running jockey with a claim, she was yeah. she was excellent. For me, even without the claim, I think she did a lot right. Horses like Trap for Fools. I mean, they were nice horses. Don't get me wrong, but she just rode them really well. So um, that's got to be some type of query. Also. So last up, Lonsdale Lady had Montalina, uh, Kentucky Love, uh, a, a flailing dark mission, second, third, fourth. They were all gone a long way out and roadblocks, as we discussed yeah, before. And then the next pair back was Hula Hoops and Safe to Make Up. Yeah. So everything that was basically 30 to 1 plus was second third fourth she didn't have a she didn't have a good horse within sort of uh yeah within kui mm. of her basically so it made it easier to kick and extend and, and get that gap required um this week will be different i mean pam bella was a really nice run it's not one of it's one of the nine i've got a line through it pam bella from three naughty by nature five canvas from two and then again dark mission from four who you'd expect improvement from. They wouldn't have been continuing with this campaign yeah, it unless been they found something. would have been a spell now, yeah. I would have thought so. So I'm expecting those four to probably not far from at all, especially with the Daniel Cripps influence with uh, Canvas and Coriol. He'll want to ride up the speed and ride on them, I reckon. So um, that's going to make it a lot more difficult. She's going to have to have that kick and, uh, and hold off horses that she's not giving a sort of a 10, 12, 14, 15 length head start to her type thing. So I think she's more susceptible here um, for, for those reasons. I, I'm really keen on one, actually. Um, look, I guns to my head, I've marked two horses equal favourite. I've marked three basically equal favourite. Um, I, I found them really hard to split, but price-wise, and Pete mentioned it earlier, it's it's drifting quite heavily. And I, I think with the unfashionable jockey and trainer combo, I think Canvas is one of your best bets of the day. Yeah? Um, absolutely huge last start. Um, while Naughty by Nature got going at the 800 and, and did give them the card up into the race, Canvas was still really, really strong. And she was wide before that, had to go back. Not everything went to plan for Canvas. For it to go away from him, and there was a good gap back to third. I, I thought... She just said, I think... It did get a reasonable cut up in the three-wide line. It though. did, but yeah. she was also wide for a bit early and had to go right back. No, I mean, it, it was it was a huge run. And I went back through Canvas form, and I think we just I think we just missed Canvas, basically. Um, I think she's had the seven career starts. Um, the first two are over 1,000 or 1,100 as a two-year-old. Um, since then, she came out. Not much luck in the Burgess Queen over the 1,400. Watch her run if you get a chance later on in the champion fillies uh, behind Tuscan Queen. Mm. She's run 11th, beaten six. She was bolting. Yeah, like, beyond run, bolting the entire straight. I reckon she ran second, mm. just about. Maybe, I don't know. She was just going so, so, so well. First up this campaign, over 1,500 metres. Really big effort to run second um, midweek when, when Pike got in front and stole it. And then second up over the 1,800 metres. I mean, she's the one that's going to derive the most fitness i think coming into this to me she looks an out and out stayer and i think she's won because it's robin lockwood and uh Kyriel, who's riding better than most at the moment let's be honest i think she's one that's going to get under a lot of radars and we're going to see i know we're seeing seven eight bucks now i, I wouldn't be surprised if we see 10 bucks late here about her so um really keen i think she'll sit in the first four or first six um and i'd like to just see her ridden like the best stayer i think she might be better than these over the 2200 so um at the price um it's a really easy decision for me canvassed bj interesting yeah well do you think surprise myself by the way it's not the lockwood yule combination in a listed race isn't usually where you'd look straight away so i'm gonna ask you though do you think the reason why she went so well the other day was because of the way that she's ridden is there a danger because she's drawn two on saturday they might ride her closer which which might not necessarily be advantageous yes 
Yes, 100%. I, I think the key is a happy horse. I mm. want to see a happy horse. If she can set, I think she jumps quite well, actually. I went, I went through and watched how she begun. Yeah, um, she begins, you begins. can see in the Champions Philly, she settled second last. You could see in the Guinea, she settled second last. That was 11 and 14 she's drawn. Mm. She can jump nicely. She can settle on speed. I don't want to ask it. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to, to bustle her up to find the back of Lonsdale Lady. I don't want to ask her to do something. If she happens to land on the back of Lonsdale Lady, travelling happily, fine. Uh, if she happens to land a pair back or a pair further back, fine. Um, but I'd, ideally, you'd probably want to stay off the rail. But again, that's not the end of the world. Gaps tend to appear in these sort of staying races, especially when horses are flailing that don't get the 2200. So I think naturally she can settle closer without using too much more fuel. Um, but she definitely wants to utilise a barrier. Um, but I, I just don't think, um, yeah, you don't want to ride her early, definitely, though. I agree with that. Yeah, okay. I'm um, obviously Canvas is, is a genuine winning chance. Lonsdale Lady was just, just so strong in victory last start, and she is going to derive, she's going to improve again. Uh, she should do. But for me, I'm pretty keen on Naughty by Nature. Mm -hmm. I thought she was, you know, just about equally the run of the race in the Ascot Thousand Guineas, three wide, no cover, back the entire. 2200 meters is like most of these is the obvious query but i just think from five clint johnston porter is going to be able to put it asleep jason miller and adam durant is the sort of similar training methods naughty by nature will have the miles in her legs she went she half matched superstorm in the challenge that's about as good a form three odd wise as you're going to get if she can land one off, do no work early and move into the race with momentum and she's going to be hard to hold out, I think, naughty by nature. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think I'm finding it very hard to split Lonsdale Lady, naughty by nature and Canvas. And the reason I'm so bullish on Canvas is I reckon you're going to end up with double, maybe two and a half times the price for Canvas. And I can't see a real reason there should be much between the three of them at all. So which way did you end up going, Pete? Got Lonsdale Lady on top. I've mm -hmm. got it at a punt at three forty. It's currently four dollars plus. I got mm -hmm. Canvas seven fifty. It's currently seven. So I'm happy mm -hmm. to tune into it. You know, if it does keep drifting as you're suggesting, naughty by nature. I got a punt at four forty. So it's not a punt for me, but it's not a lay either. Really, um, the one. Well, she that, got the toppy. Nine dollars a lay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've marked. I just don't think the race suits it at all. Yep. From back there, as you said. A lot of they're all trying 2200 for the first time a lot of these fillies just aren't going to run the distance but they're yeah. going to be in front of tuscan queen should it go back those gaps are widen um there's going to be nothing probably dragging it into the race i think it's a bridge too far for tuscan queen on saturday yeah it's almost a oaks prep run yeah. in a lot of ways i imagine holly will be instructed to go back keep her out of trouble and let her make ground um her class might see her take her into the race but really just it's very hard making a case for her. Well, how far is she going to be off Lonsdale Lady yeah, at yeah. 600, for instance? Yeah. It could yeah. be 15 to 20 lengths. Yeah, and then she's going to be off-season horses like Canvas and Naughty by Nature as yep. well. She's, yeah, so much will need to go all right. She's never impossible. Um, things can happen. They can. The thing is, she'd be, if she does go back, they'd want, she'd want to see him bunching. Uh, yeah, yes. I don't think that's going to happen. This is the bunch. It doesn't, no. to me, it doesn't look like a bunch of time race. So, um, yeah, very difficult to sort of describe how Tuscan Queen will win this race. Last bit on this race for me. Yes. Dark Mission, like you said, Terry, I think will be the uh, an improver. Yeah, and also is um, uh, out of the uh, is a half to Dark Choice, who won the Oaks last year. Mm. So, um, just and as we spoke about, Team Williams and Peter's Investments, uh, they would have pulled the pin on the Dark Mission preparation. Yeah, if they feel as though she can compete, she was in the race. So, mm -hmm. what excuse last start? 
It's just it said was, slow to recover. Yeah, slow to recover. Like most of the punters that backed it. I oh, I think she's a three. I disagree a little bit. I think she's a three-year-old filly, and Bob loves pushing onto these races. He only gets one chance at it. Yeah. So. I think even if he was 50-50, he'd put her in because yeah. this is her only chance yeah. at it. You know, I, she's in lay for me as well. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah, it's just she went so poorly though, didn't she? I thought so she was a chance poorly. last day. Yeah. I liked, yeah, her, so in, did I. When, I liked when, her in running where she yeah. was positioned. I thought we were a chance here and she just dropped out. When I saw her start dropping out, that's when I started running down the straight. I think that was the moment I knew, hang on, none of these other ones are catching me here. So I'm, uh, I'm going to start taking off and looking like a dickhead, which I'm pretty good at. Okay, I'm hoping one of you guys can help uh, can help me out in the last here because my um, the last? paper, um, the lucky last, the get out stakes. Sorry, BJ. The get out stakes. T E A K S. That's um, right. I'm going to explain the rules of the competition. Will do happily. Market City meets get out stakes competition. Um, very simple. Twitter based at us. The one one pod on Twitter. Send through who you think will win the last race and a decimal winning margin. Um, pretty simple stuff. If you are nearest the pin, you'll get a gourmet succulent beef package from Market City Meats, the largest retail butcher shop in Perth. Yes. Okay. Um, well, I don't have much of an idea here. Let's let's throw to one of you guys. What can you uh, What can you give me? Okay, I'll step up to the plate. Okay. Um, I don't have a bet in this race. I rate uh, Devoted Star and Ocean's Fifteen on top, mm-hmm. and so does the market. So I'm pretty much. With the market mm-hmm. in the race, I was really impressed with Ocean's 15's trial. The yeah, way Jared too. rode it, he dropped it out. He gave him six or seven lengths start at the top of the straight, and then he started riding it. Now it wasn't one of your cute, quiet trial rides. He rode it out. He gave it a couple around the back, but to pick up those horses and win like he did, and savage the line the way that he did, I think he could be a, a good horse on the way up. He's a reduced choice, so there's a lot of potential there. I'd be very interested to see how he goes this campaign. No value for me tomorrow, though. Similarly, with Devoted Star, I'll be just making a book um, and hoping for some kind of result. I'm not quite sure where it comes from. What were your bet prices for those two? Yeah, punt prices are nowhere near what the, the prices are now. I've got 480 Devoted Star and $6 Ocean's 15, which my lay prices are around about where where they sit in the market mm-hmm. at the moment. So, so you know with Devoted Star, missed the kick hopelessly last start, um, basically a um, total forgive run. Oh, more than that, I thought it was very impressive. Yeah, I was, I was through, the, impressive. through the field, yeah. How do you, how do you manage? How do you re-rate a performance like that? You don't really. Yeah. You just write it off. Yeah. I mean, you've got other ratings on the horse, which hopefully are reliable. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no reason to discount that horse on that run. If anything, you might promote it on, yeah. on the, yeah. the run that it did. It's very hard to rate that particular run itself, having missed a start by at least six lengths. But you know the horse is going well at the yeah, end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was a super performance under the circumstances. For There's sure. been big weights of money for her in the past as well, which is usually a pretty good indication that uh, they've got a fair opinion. I didn't have an opinion of her until she won that day at Bunbury and she really yeah, hit the line. That was nice. the day I'm talking about money wise as well. Yeah, she yeah. was 240 and 240 to $1.50. That's a huge move. At the I shorts. think I had no opinion on that race and was watching it end up weighing it simply because of the price. Yeah. I just couldn't believe she should be that short on what she'd done to that point in time. Yeah. So, yeah, they're, they're the two obvious, and the market is uh, pretty strong on, on both Devoted Star and Ocean's 15. Both of them have drawn mid to high. Ocean's 15 uh, is a has gate speed, can roll forward. Did go back in its trial, but I just think that was part of the plan. Devoted Star obviously will be ridden patiently, as is the Cerise and White way. Terry, 
is there anything outside of the obvious that you think can oh. uh, blouse one of these two fancies? Uh, just from a speed map point of view, I mean, first of all, I would, would love to see, if I was on Milady, I'd love to see them show real desperation to cross Aristic. I don't think it can win by sitting outside a horse. Um, yeah, Milady crosses, crosses and leads. It's with the East leads. Always a chance of nicking a race like this, I think. Um, but, I mean, there's so many horses that are just going okay, like Sweet Dream and Kakadu. Uh, Wiener Wild, Beauty Canis is first up, but one first up last campaign, but they're all drawn a bit awkwardly. Devoted Star is going to be a long, well back, a uh, long way back. Sorry, um, yeah, it's just it's just a messy race. It's just a really, really messy race. Um, I, I think Milady can. Win. I think ten of them can win it. Um, Sniffy Miss got a little bit of mine this morning at eleven to one. Mm. I don't think Sniffy Miss is much of a horse. Um, don't have a huge opinion. Looks, but a, looks a pretty decent setup for her though. Don't that's it? exactly. Yeah. This is purely on the setup. I, I think she can park in just behind the speed. Uh, get a head start on on the stronger horses, um, especially if Ocean's Fifteen could end up getting caught deep if they want to go forward. Mm. It could end up a messy one, but um, I also had something Ocean's 15 when it was 5.50 or whatnot this morning, so that was just just a bet for me. Um, but, yeah, I have no real strong opinion here. I'll wait for the pattern of the day. If it is real heavy leader bias, I wouldn't be afraid to have something Milady, especially if she gets near the $10 mark. So we're at 1 o'clock Thursday afternoon. This is a race you have no idea. And yep. how many bets have you had already? 14, yeah, <laughs> in a 13-horse field. So a couple of them were just over my mark. And I, I actually did think to myself, geez, I know I'll end up having a bet in the last, so I might as well off on now. He's got a green book already. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no any of that. Um, but yeah, I, I can't even really give you a, a confidence tip. I wait for the pattern of the day. If they're making ground, I'll be happy taking um, four dollars plus devoted star probably. Mm. Um, but I don't think they'll make ground. So okay, yeah, I, I'm a bit the same. I think if it's all pattern dependent for me, but also I think if they're, I can see it similar, not the same distance, but a similar uh, race shape perhaps as the last last Saturday with a three wide line forming, which Chris Parnham could um, be the third in line in the three wide line. Um, peel and out sprint them it's got a it's got some jets devoted star um so yeah but again it's 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 completely um you know if it's mad leaders it's going to be very difficult for devoted star but then then again that'll get built built into the price as the market evolves but on pure talent and pure ability i think devoted star has these well and oh not necessarily oceans 15 but has them covered oceans 15 a clear second pick just a bit worried it might get caught three wide no cover potentially mm -hmm. from yep. nine um but yeah he's a real class horse and i didn't notice in that barrier trial that jared noski gave a real wake up after the line and punched it up the belmont up the hill at Belmont as well. Okay. Um, so they were that was a proper. They really wanted Ocean's Fifteen to have a searching workout, which gives me the impression that they're looking to rock and roll first up. Mm -hmm. um, outside of that, I think you might have found the value with the Snippy Miss situation, Terry. And um, yeah, good luck the rest. I think. Yeah, good luck. Basically, it's a tough old uh, tough old end to the day in the uh, the Crown Perth. Handicap, back to our Crown Towers uh, finishings for the day. Yeah, and the get-out stakes. And the get-out stakes, exactly right. Good luck in the get-out stakes. A tough week for it, that's for sure. So you'll definitely earn your uh, succulent stakes this week, <laughs> won't you? Uh, that brings us to the end of uh, another preview. Um, where we move on to now, have you got a best bet organised? Oh, you've already given us your best, haven't you, Peter? Oh, I've got a few. Got <laughs> Wait till Saturday. I'll have so nine. we're about to do the best betting proposition of the day. And who better? Then our resident bookmaker, Pete McCormick, to tip the listeners into his best betting propositions of the day. It's one and only, isn't it? So Talladega is my best of the day, as I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. Tall man for me, BJ. Just got the nod over cryptic love. 
I think at the prices, I like the Stablemate Kit Gum. Oh, there you go. Kit Gum, head race to head. four. Head to I head. like that. I like that. Your last one went to head. He, he tipped Tuscan Queen. I tipped on Stale. So. No, <laughs> no, not no, sure no, how that went. Stable, <laughs> stable mate of uh, Tollman. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yes. a different race. Yeah, different race. Yeah, race four. Ah, okay. yeah, right. Yeah. Right. yeah. No, not, not I good. wouldn't go head to head with a guru again. No, no yeah. Well, they say you uh, once bitten twice. Right? Well, you yeah, can't win, can you? I mean, <laughs> uh, you'll never hear the end of it. Do you, do you, do you? I am really struggling for a Maddie Peter. I am really finding it difficult. I don't think I've really given anything a push over twenty to one, um, which is very unlikely. Yeah, I just it's what, just a card. What's, what's I, going I, on? Terry? Yeah, what's... it's just a card I've struggled with uh, in that sense. It just all uh, don't know. It's all looked um, it's all looked shortish. Have either of you guys found anything? I'm a, price? I'm a lot the same. I don't have anything rated over 20 to 1 that I could I could bet on. And basically, when I say rated, I rate horses within three kilos of my top rated. And if they rate within three kilos, then I give them a punt price. Mm -hmm. And I bet them if... What about... 16? Yeah, look, I've had to go wider. On the Terps in the last is one that I've got yeah. under its current oh. price. It's yeah. $23 on Tab Touch. And uh, I've got it rated around about $9 a lay. It's, it may not be suited by the pattern of the day, but... Um, it's one that historically on its ratings, it could play a part. One, Pete, of, one of the favourites, OTT. Pete and I were uh, talking off here before about uh, horses that have been poor to us over the journey. And I told you high tea had been my worst horse. Yes. On the Terps is my second worst horse. So. Well, maybe it's due. I'm, uh, I'm, well, it is because it definitely will not be having uh, any of mine on it. That's for sure. Um, Oh, look, BJ, I'm, I'm really going to struggle here. I think I'm going to be a bit boring and just give you Al Dillar. I know he's only 13 to 1, but um, that's that's double my rated price. Easterly, early in the day. Sorry, I misunderstood. I thought it was $20 plus. Yeah, yeah. look, let's 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 chuck Al Dillar. No, let's <laughs> chuck... Uh, let's chuck... Um, let's chuck uh, Canvas into Tolman at 20 to 1. Look, I'm going to have to improvise again with you a change multi. change the rules again. We can do multis now, yeah, can't we? Apparently, yeah. I make them up as I go, mate. Yeah. Multis with a boost. Yeah, 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 multis with a boost, and I might fold it uh, if it's not going well <laughs> once they jump. So I can't really lose at this point. Um, I can't. I just can't come up with a, a roughie, really. I mean, I, I almost want to tip Bevel at 150 to 1 as my uh, as my Maddie if she can find the outside the leader. But that would be crazy. So we're not going to go down that path, BJ. Okay, well, I'm going to stick with my old mate, Steve Wolf. Uh, my Maddie for the day is in the Natasha Stakes. Mood Goddess at uh, best available $31 at the moment, mostly 26s, but I think her 1,000 uh, guineas run was better than it reads on paper. And, yeah, I think she's, uh, she's not a bad go at the, um, at the current odds. So, mm -hmm. yeah, Mood Goddess. Okay. So, Pete, do you have um, any lays at the moment or should everyone just tune into Twitter to see what you come up with for Betfair? Well, the obvious lay I have is Tuscan Queen. Yeah. I'm just concerned that it's starting to spiral out in price and how far it'd have to go. So I'll have a think about that between now and then, and certainly it'll be on the bookies bag tomorrow, and um, I'll also put something up on Twitter as well. Perfect. Terry, anything from you? Very similar uh, to Peter in that sense. I reckon there will be one or two. Um, but at this stage, I'll, uh, I'll just monitor prices and have another look this afternoon. The problem with the lays is I often, I often find... If I really want to lay one, it's in a race I'm very keen on something else. So it becomes a double. Once your lay gets up, you've not only lost your big bet, but you've also... Welcome to my world. So, yeah, I understand the pain in being a bookmaker in that sense. 
horses to follow. Yes, horses to follow. Um, We've had a bit of a, a bit of a decent run lately. Yeah, certainly have. Lord Kronos won at Albany at yes. eight or nine dollars the other day, and Lyle's Choice obviously knocked off the the Favoristana at Bunbury on stakes day. I think that was. So our horses to follow are bobbing up here and there. This week, Terry, what have you got for listeners? You you produced some gold last week. Like, the Pierces really have a good um, a good record of getting horses from other stables and getting them to go pretty early, don't they? I mean, I remember. What was that blue and white one? Oh, I can't think of its name. But uh, Casa Rosada one the other day. You said Lyle's Choice uh, and knocking off hot pots as they go as well. So that's always a good um, advertisement for your stable, I think, when you can take horses, especially from reasonable stables and on the surface get them to improve. So a good advertisement for the uh, for the Pierce boys. Um, to follow, I haven't got a huge amount this week, BJ, which is unlike me. Uh, Crystal Valley, I thought last week was ridden upside down. Prefer to see it ridden a bit colder. Uh, held up at key moments in the straight, still went pretty well on the line. I reckon next start it'll be cherry ripe to win one of these staying races. So uh, gate dependent. I'd like to draw a nicer hole so they can settle midfield rather than last. Um, Road Rager was scratched from the last on Saturday. Um, wait for Pike to come back and wait for the right race. It is flying. Um, really keen it wins one soon. And uh, mainly because this wasn't included. Everyone knows this was unlucky, but uh, there wasn't a word said in the stewards report. Lipstick flickers last week. Uh, I think the horse is still going really well. Forget it went round. Um, cannot believe there's not one single word in the stewards report. So I'm purely putting it in, even though it's dead obvious because the stewards maybe missed it, I guess. So those three for me. Nothing uh, Nothing of... of Real notes, though, okay. uh, in the black book that I'm too excited about in, in coming times. BJ. My main one is a maiden, David Harrison stable called Monty Blue. I thought it ran on really Doggy well. Nyon. Yes, it ran on really well. I think it was, it was first up from a spell at Bunbury last Sunday in race three. Check out the replay of Monty Blue. Might be a horse um to follow in its next one or two starts i don't think it'd be a maiden for too long perhaps stepping up in distance as well i thought eeyore ways was really good like it just just went back from the draw it's more of an on pace horse but it ran on really well i think eeyore ways has got a few wins um up its sleeve and this horse is dead obvious um it was a top-notch trial or a couple of episodes back but i was really i really like giant leap as a horse um follow him with confidence wherever he goes Pete, have you got anything for us? No, I didn't prepare anything for that one, sorry. That's okay. Um, moving on to top-notch trialers. <laughs> Terry? Uh, nothing this week, actually, VJ. No, nothing nothing this week in the top-notch trialers section. I've probably got as many as Pete does written down. I've got a couple of trialers. Oh, so hang on. Jeez. Oh, oh, hold the phone. Okay, here we go. What, what have <laughs> now, you got? Now, seen as, this is Terry's... Um, he doesn't really dig the top-notch trialers segment at the best of times, but our guest Pete is a trial man from way back. What have you got for us, Pete? Well, that's not really true. I'm actually like Terry. I don't actually watch the trials anymore until yeah. there's a horse engaged yeah. and I watch the trials I need to watch because I found watching all the trials, I'm just wasting a lot of yeah. time at the end of the day. But I did have a bit of a look at the 3rd of March trials. I looked at the 9th or 10th, but didn't see anything there. But out of that first set of trials, Ocean's 15, I've already mentioned. Mm -hmm. And Volatile Bell is a two-year-old filly trained by Jimmy Taylor. It ran second to Starfield Impact, which has come out since and sat three deep in one and is one of the fancies for the Caracatta. So Volatile Bell, unraced. I'll be interested to see how it goes when it starts. Yeah, Mr. Kick too, did it? Got him good, Volatile Bell. Ran yeah. home really well. This is based back to third, so yeah. it looks pretty smart. Yeah, I, I just wanted to touch on the uh, Peter's Investments unleashed about nine two-year-olds at the trials on, a likely trials on Monday, which was intriguing in itself. But the, the, the kicker was that Bob Peters says that he wants to actually race one of them 
shortly, which is real grace. So I'm sure everyone is rapt to hear that um, Bob Peters is racing two-year-olds again and trying to win the Caracatta Plate. I it's, thought there was a rule that he wasn't allowed to, just, yeah, for, just for the a, rest of us. That's right. So real grace, he's the – it's an I Am Invincible Philly. Um, obviously, Bob Peters said in his interview with Giulio Santarelli at the trials that um, he wants to – push on with her so i imagine we'll see her in the next couple of weeks which is interesting i thought the stable mate mystical view which was in heat three the one before real grace that was the pick of the two-year-old trials on the day go back and have a look at that trial mystical view i'm assuming it's going to go out and come back but it looks like a really really class horse but yeah everyone's starting to um Starting to shiver a bit. Bob's back mm. with two-year-olds. I watched all those trials and he had a lot of talent there, mm. but I think they were just there for the education as yep. much as anything. I didn't see anything that stood out. I'm sure they're there, but I reckon most of them will go for a spell and we'll see more when they come back yep. next campaign. 100%. He's definitely uh, in no rush to get into the track, is he, when you've, you've got that many and that much class? He's well, the Oaks is a little while away. Yeah. I wonder, yeah, if, exactly I wonder if he was right. just tro trolling everyone by saying that he's going to start racing yeah, two-year-olds again. Oh, lucky, but, lucky some of us have already got a Caracatta plate. That's right. So... <laughs> So also just a quick mention to some whatever happened to is Tin, Snip and Sienna. They both went around in Heat 6. We uh, flagged them um, trying to work out where they got to in earlier episodes of the 1-1. One, one. And moving on to this week's Whatever Happened To, um, some friends of the podcast asked what happened to two horses, Crypto and Black Fury. So we'll chase those up. Crypto was Sarah Childs, I believe, mm -hmm. and uh, Black Fury, very smart, Trevor Andrews trained horse who hasn't been seen for a while. I think, I think that it suffered sold. an injury. Who was that? Was it sold to Hong Kong, Black Fury? I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, we'll have to chase them up. Bet Uniton. Yes, it did. Uh, and Uniton obviously can't make that form look very good. Black Fury was really exciting as a horse. He was, yeah. yeah. So I, I wonder if he went amiss or whether he's been sold, but that's what we're here for. Mm -hmm. We will chase that up. One other horse that he hasn't been out for that long, but I think he goes pretty good. Unbeaten three-year-old Robin Todd Harvey called Kubeling. Um, he, uh, eagerly, everyone's eagerly awaiting his return. So I'll see when I'll uh, check in with Harvey Racing to see how far away he is from trialing or uh, getting back to the track. Speedy character, Kubeling. Yeah. Uh, Paul Huckle's favourite, actually. Yes, I think yeah, he, he might be one of Huckle's. Uh, uh, get out stakes winner, Paul Huckle. Yes. Paul Huckle. Okay, so last week's Twitter poll. Uh, which was uh, put up for discussion by Terry. If there was a 2020 railway stakes all-in futures market, would free trade be the current favourite? Yes, 31.2%. No, 68.8%. We've just uh, put Pete McCormick on the spot. Do you, rather than come out with a market for us, do you have any insight into like how you would rank uh, the major players in a hypothetical 2020 railway stakes market? I'd like to ask Terry, he's obviously seems very bullish about free trade. What price would you be prepared to take free trade now in a railway stakes market? Oh, I will to take. I would never get what I want to take. Uh, obviously, the amount of risk involved in getting there and whatnot. It, it's more about all the others that would appear in the market. Um, whether Bob wants to come back after competing in um, all-star miles and those type of races with Superstorm and Regal Power and attack a $1 million race in Perth, I don't know whether that would be part of his thought process. I can't imagine Arcadia Queen doing that. Windstorm probably won't be at a level where it's one enough to even qualify potentially by that point in time. So all these runners would be ahead of it in the market, but I'm saying that free trade's the most likely runner of a lot of them. Um, I would still want to back it now um, 15 to 1. I think, I think you want at least that, yeah. I think at least, yeah. I'm probably being in a, terms a, of a bit light in Free that trade, I did well. a little bit of digging around about it and the Bunbury Stakes, which is its main flagship mm -hmm. race at the moment, 
The only railway, uh, sorry, the only Bunbridge Stakes winner in the last 20 years to win the railway was a horse called Bell Bazaar, which was a mm-hmm. pretty smart horse. Mm-hmm. It won a, a suite of races between the, the Bunbridge Stakes and the railway. It went east, it ran second in group races. It came back, it went around the railway and still started at $10. Mm-hmm. So why would you take 15 now? I mean, there was a query over its ability to run 1600, which might have inflated its price mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, you were asking me to make a market initially, and I got thinking about that and thought, well, that's a bit of a fool's errand in a way. <laughs> um, I'm thinking of 2000, the year 2000, on March the, where are we, March the 12th, Northerly had not even started in a race on March the 12th. So he'd come out and was probably our greatest railway winner ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would have been difficult to find that one. I thought of another horse called Forge On. It didn't actually win the railway, it ran eighth in the race, but it did win the Fruit and Veg Kingston. Yeah. At this stage, she had just run its previous campaign 10th at 100 to 1 at Pinjarra and, yeah. in a maiden. <laughs> Didn't it win its maiden at York or something? It came yeah. out and won its maiden. I think it was at Bunbury or Pinjarra at 100 to 1. Yeah. It then won seven of its next eight starts yeah. and won the Kingston Town and ran eighth in the railway. Yeah. But there's so many things that can happen between now and railway time. I think it's just, for me, it's folly to even be thinking about it at this stage. I what, think what Pete's did, spot on with what, what he's did, saying. What did uh, free trade rate in your... How, how did you mark his Pinjar Classic Bumby Stakes? Look, it was good, but it wasn't out of the box by yeah. any stretch. I mean, Telema Cumming was in the same race, but Telema Cumming gave it two and a half kilos, I think. Mm. The previous year, Akinar Star won the Bumbery Stakes. It carried 58 and a half. Telema Cumming carried 54. So Akinar Star gave Telema Cumming four and a half kilos. Free Trade was in receipt of two and a half kilos. Akinar Star ran fourth in the Railway Stakes. So drawing a line through that, Akinar Star is probably ahead of, and why wouldn't that run in next year's railway? I'm looking at progression in that sense, but I think you made a very good point before. If you're going to bet into a race, and it obviously doesn't matter with Perth races because there are no markets, but say you're looking at it'd be like a Melbourne Cup, for example, you'd want to have a really strong opinion at about a progressive horse to be taking a price this far out. That's, that's basically what I'd be saying. And I do think free trade has that profile to progress through. I, To be honest, $15 was checked up. I probably still wouldn't take the 15 to 1. 20 to 1 plus would probably get me interested. Um, but I'm a big futures player when given yeah, I'm the opportunity. Not. And yes, not, not many people are. Not many of the uh, other punters I know are actually. So, But I'm a big uh, futures player in creating books. And I'm happy to see dead money. Um, that's okay. Um, it's it's uh, being a futures punter, you have to be prepared to have a lot of hardships. I always remember the day my old man had um, Ranger at 50 to 1 for the railway stakes, and then they're about 10 minutes till jump, and <laughs> late scratching the Ranger. So he's, he's done his money cold from three months earlier, 50s to 7s, so a little bit disgruntled that day, he was actually. I don't bet pre-post, but last time I did was a horse called Free at Last in the Melbourne Cup. And it was in the field, and then they had a meeting on the Saturday before. Oh, that's right. And they they pelleted the horse yeah. out of the race, and that was the last time I ever bet pre post. I'll yeah. never bet pre post again. That was scandalous at the time, yeah. too, wasn't it? Well, Pete's, just, Pete's tantrum. It, a few WA horses have been balloted at the 11th hour in a, in a Melbourne Cup, so yeah. it's happened a few times, I think, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that was a that was very interesting discussion. People loved it on Twitter, by the way, mm. Terry. So it was a it was a good talking point, and um, there were some interesting names thrown up for discussion as well. Moving on to this week's Twitter poll, just before we we finish up on the one one, we'll keep things simple. William Pike he used a coin toss to decide no, yeah. his ride in the All Star Mile. Tell us. If you were William Pike, who would you have ridden? Regal Power or Superstorm? I've said it so you've got to tell us before the barrier. race. Um, before the barrier. <laughs> you didn't know the barrier door as well. So, um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see what the uh, what the Twitter Twitterati have to say about Pike's decision to ride Regal Power in the $5 million 
All-Star Mile at Caulfield on Saturday. 100%. I was Team Regal Power. Which one were you? Oh, Regal Power, I think, is at the zenith of his powers now. Yep. Superstorm still has... Zenith. I like that. <laughs> still has progression to make as well. That doesn't mean he can't win, but uh, Regal Powers, it's his time now. Yep. BJ? Uh, I would I think... I would have stuck with Superstorm, actually. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I just think there's something about the horse. I think he's just... He's untapped completely, and I'm uh, yeah. Regal Powers, the roll gold, ready to ready to go, and the gate helps as well. But something about Superstorm where I don't even think he knows how just how good he is that horse. So I'm going to be really excited to see how he measures up. Yeah, be a cracking race. Very much looking forward to it. Listening to looking forward to seeing what everyone uh, what comes out on top as well. I reckon it'll be really touch and go um, yeah. with uh, what gets the uh, the vote in the end. Yeah. Anyway, that brings us to the end of uh, another one one racing podcast. Uh, a big thank you to our index card using Pete McCormick <laughs> for coming along. Uh, thanks very much, Pete. Um, really enjoyed your yeah, insights thanks, to Pete. the world of bookmaking and uh, how you um, go about basically all aspects of it and how it used to work back in the forties and thirties and forties as well. Um, <laughs> We hope to uh, we hope to make you a semi regular, I think, on the podcast as well. Actually, yeah. that would suit so, me just fine. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So thanks for coming on, Pete. No worries, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah thanks. So I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. So make sure if you're down at uh, Ascot, you'll be standing this week. I'm there this week. Yes, yes, make sure if you're down at Ascot, go say hello to him. Say you listen to the one one, and he'll give you a slightly better price. We haven't actually agreed with that off air, but uh, I thought I might as well stitch you up one last time. Uh, good luck on the weekends. Good luck to the Perth horses over east, in particular Regal Power and Superstorm. It'll be lovely to um, to see Pikey in particular, I think, grab a, a Group 1. So I don't know if I'll be invested personally or not, but I'd love to see Pikey um, to jag a Group 1. And um, hopefully next week we're talking about uh, Regal Power as a uh, Group 1 winner. William Pike is a Group 1 winner, and um, we can discuss that on next week's edition of the 1-1. Thank you.